This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio episode 102 for Thursday, August 4th, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II's Frets of Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, here's what we got this week. A lot of things happened in my little one-week vacation. Obviously, we took a week off. A lot of news came out. I'm not going to give you guys a week's worth of news from when we weren't on the air. Try and keep shit current. So, with that said... Took last week off, needed a break, feel really recharged, celebrated uh, my nephew Jonathan's birthday. So, you know, happy birthday to him. I didn't get to say it on the air. But, um, yeah, took some time off, recharged, tried to work on some stuff for the site, trying to put a couple of things together for my take radio, not only from a web standpoint, but also in terms of using other mediums to get our show to get the show out there whether it's youtube i've been contemplating live streaming doing video maybe with uh google plus and doing hangouts while the show is in session so testing out a couple of different things and some of that stuff you'll see some of it you know i'll discuss with you guys but there will be some changes coming as such one of the things i did notice is that I've been looking at probably going on to the new incarnation of My Take Radio or My Take Radio 4.0 from a site standpoint. So been working with a couple of people, working with Josh and some other people out there trying to get some things together to build a new version of MTR. So be on the lookout for that probably within the next few weeks. Should be interesting to see what we're going to do because there's a couple of different things that look appealing, but you guys will start seeing some subtle changes first and then the big launch sooner, hopefully, rather than later. I'd like to have MTR 4.0 live by October before the holiday season and before Comic-Con. If that happens, we shall see. But nonetheless, until then, you can still go to MyTakeRadio.com, get all the info you need, visit the forums, hit us up on Facebook, hit us up on Twitter, of course, which seems to be the be- the one of the better, well, not one of the better mediums, but one of the mediums currently that seems to be one of our strongest as well as Facebook. We're starting to move into Google Plus a little bit, not so much as a show account right now, but more so just as a personal account. So if you want to, you know, chat and whatever on Google Plus, 
you can look us up there as well. Hopefully, business accounts will be up within the next two weeks. I've been hearing different timetables, but we really would like to have a Google Plus account strictly for my take radio. But until it launches, I'll be using my personal account for that. We're almost at 1,300 fans on Facebook, so definitely want to take the opportunity to welcome all the new fans that have joined us and all the fans that are sharing their input with us over the last couple of weeks. I've seen a lot of new faces commenting on a lot of stuff. By all means, feel free to keep that up. Stop by our forums also, which have been a little quiet as of late, only because my schedule has been a little busy, but that's going to be changing as well. All right. Our app, iTunes and Android, is going to be getting a graphic overhaul according to our buddies at Libsyn. I was notified of that earlier this week, so I am getting with uh, one of our artists to get something fixed up. So we can have that also, which is going to also be the launch of our app for the iPad. So we will have Android and iPad. You can also go to BlackBerry Podcast now, and you can get My Take Radio from there as well. Working on getting the show listed on a couple of other places, including radio, possibly Stitcher. So once those avenues are open, we're going to be able to do that as well. Get Glue has been incredibly popular also. With MTR, I've been seeing a lot of check-ins, a lot of people checking in. Stickers probably should launch next month once we get some final designs with regards to what kind of stickers and what criteria they'll be awarded to, you know, listeners of the show. We will, of course, announce that on air as well. T-shirts probably will go live towards the end of September also, hopefully in line with the new MTR 4.0, but again, We'll see what the deal is with that. My guest this week is going to be Noel Brown. He was one of the participants at the EVO tournament this year. But Noel isn't just my guest. Noel is actually one of the first guys that wore a My Take Radio logo to compete on behalf of Unveil and also us and a couple of other sites that are all working together. So Noel Brown went and represented. He, I believe he may have placed eighth and then possibly fifth i don't have the information in front of me that's one of the reasons why i want to talk to him but he'll be joining us probably around 11 30 11 45 to discuss evo the fighting game scene and giving us a little more insight into the esports culture that we've been focusing on in you know past episodes of mtr so hopefully that will be going down around 11 30 11 45 next week next week i'm really looking forward to speaking to this particular guest only because there's a little bit of nostalgia, but this particular guest has also done a, a lot of other things and including involvement in the training of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and just helping martial arts move forward as well. And that's going to be Steve Cardenas. Now, the, the funny thing is you're probably asking yourself, who is this guy? Steve Cardenas was actually the Red Power Ranger on, I believe, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and also, I think, the second incarnation, which might have been Zeo. No, I think in Zeo he was, I'm thinking the blue one, but I'm not 100% sure. So he's been a, a couple of different Power Rangers, but we're actually going to be talking about what he's been doing with martial arts, and we'll get a little insight into what it was like to be a group of martial artists on one of the highest-rated and most popular TV shows during the 90s. So it's going to be real interesting next week. He will be joining us for that. 
We got some new articles on MyTakeRadio.com that will go live right after the show's over, including Handel's review of the new Thundercats series, which I probably will also be writing a review. In addition to that, he did a review of the Turntable FM service, which we've been using. If you are a fan of great music and are looking to try something different, definitely check out Turntable FM. It's in beta right now, and you can only get in with invites. But if you are friends with anyone on Facebook that currently uses Turntable FM, you'll be able to get in there and mess with it as well. I put Handle onto it, and he's just he's ran with it. it. It's a really great service, and it's just a different way for people to enjoy music, and I got to applaud those guys for the great work they do. So definitely check those reviews out once they go live after the show is over. New writers. New writers are something I have been looking for and have been talking about for the last couple of weeks. Definitely want to expand our writing talent. So if you're if you're a fan of the show or if you share views similar to those of us here on the show and on the site and are interested in writing for MTR, feel free to drop me a line with a writing sample on um, MTR host at mytakeradio.com, and we'll be talking about a couple of other things with regards to that. I really would like a couple of different uh, types of writers. We want some writers that will focus a little bit more on MMA, maybe a little bit on pro wrestling, uh, which there will be some stuff as well with regards to that. Well, we have a really great talent of writers right now, but those writers are working on other things, and some of those writers will probably be looking into discussing other topics. And for that, I'm actually referencing our my buddy Mist. So there will be some changes with regards to that, and that should be coming in the coming weeks as well. But if you are interested in being a writer, drop me a line, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com, throw a writing sample in there. Let me know a little bit about yourself, what your strengths are. Let me be frank with everybody. This is not a paid gig. It's not. If you want to build a portfolio, get your work out there, et cetera, et cetera, and share similar views to us, by all means, you're welcome to join the team. It is not a paid gig. I only say that because I've had a couple of people come and they're like, oh, well, you know, how much am I going to get paid? And I'm like, uh, zilch at the moment, but you'll get access to whatever we get access to. And Slick can vouch for that and so can a few others. But um, that's the deal with that. MTR behind and beyond the mic are being taped continuously. There's a couple of episodes that are coming up, which is uh, how I want to close out housekeeping because we've been having a lot of issues getting episodes live on the iTunes feed. The iTunes feed provides content for the show, but also provides some of the edited versions of the show that are in stereo sound, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Seems that there's been some issues with Libsyn in regards to file sizes and we're trying to get that squared away. So for those of you that have the app, you're probably at episode 100, which was the last episode we uploaded. Episode 101, I've been trying to upload, but there's been some issues with the episodes not posting correctly. So before you go and take to the airwaves, oh, he doesn't fucking update the show and blah, 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 know that we are experiencing technical difficulties on that particular side of the uh, of, of the spectrum. If you want to listen to the show with without editing, but you want to stay current, by all means, blogtalkradio.com slash mytakeradio. You can go there and listen to the newest episodes, which will probably be in mono and will probably not have a couple of things. But 
If you want instant gratification, make sure to do that, or even go to MyTakeRadio.com, hit the Listen tab up top, and you can hear the current episode there as well, because we've had some technical difficulties, and I really have a couple of things I want to start adding to the app. We are messing around with some video, so you will see my fucking mug in a couple of weeks for some stuff, and maybe we're going to do some video blogs and some video reviews for a couple of things, including uh, the Harmony Remote. We got that. We got some stuff with uh, OnLive. There's just a ton of stuff coming. I also picked up a MyTouch 4G slide that I'll be doing a complete review for, which wasn't given to me. I actually bought the phone for myself, but I will be reviewing it for those of you that are T-Mobile subscribers and are on the fence about picking that up. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Let's get this housekeeping wrapped up. Here's what we're talking about tonight. We're going to talk about Strike Force. Folks, my take radio is having some technical difficulties. Of course, Live Talk Radio is fucking up again. So give us a moment and Mitch will be right back. The following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubborn Radio. We like news, we like current events, but we like the fucked up news and the fucked up current events. Born Southern Radio, we talk about everything in entertainment. We talk about movies. We talk about music. Mostly heavy stuff. Have good mosh pitting! And because we're big fucking nerds, we talk about video games. <laughs> we're big fucking nerds. We love video games. Fuck's sake, man! <laughs> Rich loves the show. Yeah. Hey, Rich, you like the show, don't you? Yeah, man. Are you sure you like the show? <laughs> yeah, man. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop the music. Isn't Born Stubborn Radio one of your favorite podcasts? Yeah, man. Awesome. Okay, hold on a second. But I was just curious. I'm thinking about coming to New York. Awesome. You live in New York, right? Yeah. You think maybe I could uh, crash on your couch? Uh, in the predominantly Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Um, Rich, I love you, but I don't know what the fuck you just said. In the Asian neighborhoods, there's like fucking 20 of them shit. Exactly. Okay, I, I don't know what Rich is thinking, but BornStepInRadio.com is where you should be going right now. Here you get it! Have good mosh pitting! Alright, gotta throw a quick thank you to Slick for saving that, because Blog Talk Radio, I take a week off, and they decide they want to kick me right in the nuts. So with that said, fuck you, BTR, for just dropping me out of nowhere and not even giving me the courtesy of putting a pop-up that says, you are not live right now. So fuck you guys. As I was saying, I can sit here and just rip apart Blog Talk Radio right now, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Let's just fucking talk some MMA, because... All right. Hopefully, Blog Talk Radio will only have one fuck-up this evening. But let's get into some MMA because some really crazy shit went down. This past weekend, we had the Strikeforce M1 Fedor versus Henderson event on Showtime. Now, there was a lot of crazy hype for this fight only because Fedor was coming off a couple of losses. Hendo was coming off an epic performance. It was 
basically just one of those fights that you could bill as as a super fight. It was great because they fought at a catch weight. Well, no, I, I think Hendo actually fought at light heavy. So, nonetheless, super pumped for it. I'm a big fan of Fedor's. I like Dan Henderson. Marlos Kuna was putting her 135-pound strap on the line against Misha Tate, Robbie Lawler and Tim Kennedy, Paul Daly and, Ty- and Tyron Safadine, Scott Smith, I mean, whoops, Paul Daly and Tyron Woodley, sorry, and Scott Smith and Tarek Safadine rounded out the main card. Jay-Z Cavalcante and Bobby Green were on the prelims. And let me tell you guys, ever since Zufa took over Strike Force, there's been a lot of really subtle, shady shit that I, that I haven't liked for, for a couple of reasons. And, you know, I, uh, our buddy Bloodstain Lane, he elaborates on some of that stuff in the videos. He goes at, at Zufa a lot harder than we do, only because he has a bit of an insider's track. I can only give you guys the view from outside of the fish tank and not in it. So uh, Bloodstain Lane definitely holds it down with that. But I will be 100% honest when I tell you that business as usual is definitely not the name of the game with Strike Force. A lot of things have changed. Certain things are for the better. Certain things are for the worse. And I honestly feel that the longevity of Strike Force is definitely in question. As such, let's go right into some of the matches. Scott Smith and Tarek Safadin was uh, a fantastic match, and the reason was because I considered it a coming-out party for Tarek Safadin. He looked really good against Scott Smith. The only thing I noticed that was very strange, and some people have gone on record as saying that Scott Smith got exposed with regards to being one-dimensional, not one-dimensional, but just being a guy that goes in there and tries to use the rope-a-dope and take a lot of punishment and then come back and unleash hell. And that has worked on a couple of occasions, but it didn't work with Safadine. Safadine came in there and looked crisp from rounds one through three. He executed perfectly. He threw, um, he threw a lot of great combinations, punches and kicks. He was really aggressive. He pushed the pace, and he ended up taking the fight via unanimous decision. On the welterweight side of things, Paul Daly and Tyron Woodley was... As exciting as you would expect when you have a boxer versus a wrestler. Now, I, I, a lot of people have told me that they didn't like the fact that Woodley used his wrestling and used a lot of lay and pray. I, I'm a huge Paul Daly fan, even if he sucker punched Koscheck, only because Paul Daly is exciting to watch. Now, I'm not going to get into a whole big drawn-out discussion about lay and pray and why wrestling is, is you know, why people bitch about it, because we've done that on countless episodes. I will say that a win is a win. Uh, Tyron Woodley went in there and made sure to use his strengths, being his wrestling, because he knew that engaging head-to-head with Paul Daly was going to end up with his face hitting the mat. As such, Woodley secured the decision via unanimous. He secured the win via unanimous decision. Daly did look good. He actually showed a, a huge improvement in his technique. It's just a def- defense from the back, which... Even at that point, a lot of people who view the fight felt that Daly was aggressive also from the bottom, which is true. I think that there were some moments where Daly looked like he he was not comfortable on the ground, but he surprised me by being aggressive from the bottom and engaging Woodley as much as, as, as humanly possible. I think that T. Wood knew what to do to stop Daly, and that was pretty much smother and cover and try and work the ground game more only because... Paul Daly would have put him to sleep otherwise. 
now what they're saying is that T. Wood and Tarek Safadine are going to meet to crown a new champion since Nick Diaz vacated the belt. That should be an exciting fight. But Daly is always going to be a guy that I will support because he goes out there, he puts it on the line, and he's, he's a hungry dude. And he's not there to make friends. He's there to, to knock people out and get paid and give the fans exciting fights. Tyron Woodley, I like him. The dude's a great prospect, you know, relying on his wrestling a little too much, but I'm sure that as time goes on, he will expand his repertoire to go into other things. But right now, a win's a win. He did what he had to do to secure the victory. Moving into the middleweight side of things, Robbie Lawler and Tim Kennedy was a fantastic fight. I was very surprised, though, because Robbie Lawler definitely Looked like he lost a step. I thought maybe he might have been injured only because he wasn't as aggressive by the by the third round. Tim Kennedy really took it to him, and, and Tim Kennedy had a lot of support behind him from the armed forces. I, I want to take a moment to commend him only because besides serving our country, he's a huge ambassador for the sport with, with the armed forces community going out there, doing as much as he can to raise awareness and support our veterans. So, Tim Kennedy, I got to throw a shout-out to him for – just being a class act, Robbie Lawler went in, looked really crisp in the first round, but as, as the fight progressed, I just felt that he something was amiss. It wasn't the Robbie Lawler that I know that goes in there and puts people to sleep. Not only that, but Robbie Lawler is also a very good wrestler, and he did not seem to be going to that as much. On the, on the contrary, Kennedy went in and used his wrestling to kind of set the pace for the match. Kennedy took the the fight via unanimous decision. So Tim Kennedy is a guy to be on the lookout for to possibly be heading into title contention. On the woman's side of things, that's the co-main event. It was Marluz Kunin versus Misha Tate for the 135-pound title. Marluz Kunin, fantastic female mixed martial artist. She is, is great on the ground. She has fantastic stand-up. Misha Tate is being groomed to be the new face of women's MMA. Let's not even fucking kid ourselves because that's how it works. If, if you're pretty and, you know, you take a couple of, of, you know, sexually charged photos, all of a sudden you get branded the face of women's MMA. I'm not shitting on Misha Tate because she's a, a very talented athlete. She goes out there, she does what she has to do, but she, she's learning how to play the game and I got to give her respect for it. Marlos Kunin look, fantastic at the start of the fight she had a, some really great uh hands she she actually caught her with a hard left hook in the first round but misha tate went in and for the shot and got caught in a standing guillotine really really impressive work from kunin in the in the first and the second round but in the third round they actually ended up working towards the uh mount position where misha tate actually did a fantastic switch and caught Marlos Kunin with a submission that was in the fourth round with a uh, with a what the hell was it? Did she catch her with a with an arm triangle? Now, a couple of things from this: the fight was really great from start to finish. There was not one moment where I said, "Oh, this fight is boring" or "This fight is is stupid." It was a great wrestler versus striker match, and Misha Tate came and secured the victory via submission. Now, the funny thing was that. The way it went down, the the transition was so fluid for Misha Tate to secure the position that I actually blinked, and when I looked, she had her in the arm triangle, and Marlos Kuna was getting ready to tap. That's how that's how improved 
Misha Tate was. Now, the the crazy thing is what I'm going to talk about after this event, which involved Marlou's and the rest of Team Golden Glory. So I'll discuss that after this little bit of a recap. Fedor and Dan Henderson was as crazy as you'd expect. The bell rang. These guys came out slinging leather. It was pretty much, I'm going to keep slinging leather. Somebody's going to sleep. Fedor looked really, really insane in the first in the first few seconds of the fight. Just came out swinging. He caught Henderson at one point, and he uh, he caught Henderson with an overhand right. At which point he chased him down, but Henderson recovered. And as soon as he slipped out through the back, he actually caught Fedor from the ground with a small uppercut. At which point Fedor fell on his face. And then he proceeded to finish the fight off in 48 seconds of the first round. Now, here's the funny thing with that. A lot of people were saying that the stoppage was justified. A lot of people were saying that the stoppage wasn't justified. That depends. Of course, with a Zufa-owned strike force and their animosity towards Fedor, you definitely got to raise an eyebrow only because he was caught, he hit the mat, but he was recovering. He was actually turning in to defend. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think you, he shouldn't have been given the, the benefit of the doubt. Honestly, when you look in, in title matches and, and big, put it like this, in huge situations like that, especially uh, a great example of that is Brock Lesnar and Shane Carwin. Shane Carwin dropped bombs on Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar was covering up and defending and he looked like he was in trouble, but they let that fight go on. Brock, Brock Lesnar even said, you know, thanks, Herb Dean, for not stopping it. I believe it was Herb Dean or Big John. I'm thinking it was Herb Dean for that fight. But the fact is that he didn't he didn't go and say, you know, hey, the, the, they should have stopped it early, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Fedor, a class act always, he, he did voice that he felt that the, the match was stopped a little early. I honestly think that when it comes to a guy like Fedor and even to a main event match like that, you got to give the fighters a little bit of a benefit of a doubt just because you don't know where it could go. And to quote something that Bloodstain Lane said in his video, when it comes to Fedor, Fedor needs to be fucking stretchered out of there because this is a guy that takes punishment, comes back, and secures victories. That's the way it works. Now, Obviously, that was not the case. What I didn't like was, as usual, Dana White goes, makes his little snide comments, Twitter community goes fucking bananas, and my issue with that is not the fact that Fedor lost, or, you know, that he lost to Henderson, or that Henderson knocked him out, or whatever. My issue is the fact that people take to the internet immediately, and take away the merits of these guys that, that have been fighting for a long time and have given us so many great, exciting matches. All of a sudden now, Fedor's a bum, Fedor sucks, blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's just the, the fickleness of MMA fans that frustrates me because this is a guy who gave you so many great moments in pride fighting. He gave you so many epic matches. His match with Mirko Krokop, his uh, suplex submission victory after being suplexed by Kevin Randleman. Come on, man. It's... It, you, to sit there and, and say that Fedor is a bum or a piece of shit or et cetera, you know what? The UFC has plenty of guys that have lost three straight or have lost a couple of fights, and they are still there. Obviously, it, point, it, it paints a, a very negative picture on Zufa 
based on the fact that there was already a uh, an issue with Fedor. Does Fedor deserve another opportunity? I think he does. He was he looked really good in that match, and why not? The guy puts money in pockets. Period. When Fedor fights, people want to see it. And from a business standpoint, you got to look at it. It's the same thing with Vanderlei. It's the same thing with Rampage. Mirko Krokop. I can go down a list of guys that you can never get tired of them fighting, win or lose. Randy Couture, Chuck Liddell. But those guys, you know, they reach a point where they kind of have to retire. Randy Couture probably could have fought again and, and, and won a fight. So to sit there and, and force retirement or force just your, your views on somebody's career is just beyond me, especially as an MMA fan. I like all, all mixed martial artists, and I'm not going to sit here and say Fedor should retire. That's not my place. I've never gotten in the cage. I've never been tested like that. And to sit there and make these assumptions about somebody's career is just fucking stupid. It really is. Fedor looked great, and they could have they, they could have handled that a bit differently. I think that Dana White sometimes lets his personal animosity get the better of him. He, he's a he's a great businessman. He has a great mind, but sometimes the personal shit affects the way that you conduct yourself with regards to certain talent. Now, with that said, let me get into what has happened since the Strike Force event. Since the Strike Force event, Alistair Overeem was released from Strike Force. Strike Force just released their heavyweight champion. There were reasons there are issues that have been discussed with with UFC having problems with Golden Glory. There's also been issues where they wanted Overeem to fight in September and he has a couple of injuries that are not letting him fight and he's going to be fighting in October in a K1 in a kickboxing fight. So, you know, people are are kind of split down the middle with regards to how they want to handle, you know, how they want to handle the Overeem release. Honestly, the guy's your heavyweight champion. You should have given him the respect that he deserves. If the guy said, hey, I'm injured, you could have let um, Daniel Cormier take his place, and then Overeem could have just defended the belt against the winner of the tournament. That way, Cormier fights as the alternate, and you have a guaranteed main event. And if you want Alistair Overeem to fight, and he loses the belt, and you want to cut him, that's a little bit different. Now, you cut your heavyweight champion, and your title is now vacant, with rumors going ar- around that the winner of the, the two fighters that make the finals of the tournament will be fighting for the vacant heavyweight championship. Uh, again, just not a fan of that. And with regards to Overeem's release, uh, Dave Meltzer put out an interesting report regarding that. He felt that... Um, Basically, Strikeforce, Dream, Pride, and other companies paid the management team instead of paying the fighters. Usually, the way it works is the UFC pays the fighters, and that's it. With Golden Glory, Golden Glory gets paid, and then they cut their fighters a check after they take their cut. Now, this isn't something that Zufa likes. They like to pay their fighters directly, so they're not a fan of that. That's also a similar arrangement with Fedor. Now, what they're saying is that Fedor makes roughly $300,000, but that M1 makes a different figure, probably around a million dollars. Whether that's true or not, I don't know, because that's just based on an article that Dave Meltzer put out. But even still, if the fighters are still getting paid and they are happy, what is the fucking problem? What is the problem? 
If you pay Golden Glory and Golden Glory pays their fighters and none of them have ever complained and there have never been any issues, why are you going to press it? Why are you going to be a pain in the ass about it? Especially when, you're, when as a result of it, you cut Alistair Overeem, Marlos Kunin, Valentin Overeem, John Olov Inemo, all cut. And Sergey Karatanov's uh, future is in question also because he is too a Golden Glory fighter, and he's actually going to be fighting against Josh Barnett. So what are they going to do? Cut Karatanov and throw somebody else in there? Come on, man. There's a, there's a fine line between personal bias and business. And even in business, sometimes you've got to take one on the chin to move ahead. And Golden Glory has a great stable of fighters. John Olov Inemo was in a fight-of-the-night performance. Marlos Kunin was your champion. She had one loss. Valentine Overeem, you want to release him? He lost to uh, he lost a fight, you know, sketchy at best. But to release Overeem and pretty much the entire Golden Glory camp because you don't agree with that particular business practice, what you're supposed to do is work with them and try and find a middle ground. Maybe you pay Golden Glory their cut, and instead of Golden Glory cutting a check to the fighters, you take that portion of the money and give it to the fighters directly. There's always negotiations that could be done. I was dumbfounded, dumbfounded that they did that. I was disgusted at the way it went down. And then the best part is Dana White, of course, it's fight week, so Dana White has to discuss that, and he stated the following. He stated, with regards to UFC's business policy, he puts, we don't want that. It's not the way we do business. It's not how it works in the U.S. You don't pay the manager, and the manager pays the fighter. You pay the fighter, and the fighter pays the manager. When asked to elaborate on the issue with Golden Glory, he said, when I Nemo fought in the UFC, we did it our way, the way that it, has to, that it has to be done. They refuse to do business any other way. We can't do business like, like that. In a lot of places in the world, they can do business like that. It's not a big deal to the promoters. We can't do it. It's not right, and it's not the way to do it. The reality is we were trying to work out new deals with these guys, and they won't do it. They said, you absolutely can't pay the fighters. Like I said, it's pretty simple. Looking back, the last guy that fought in the UFC was Semi was Semi Schlitt. That was a Golden Glory guy. There's a reason for that. Now, obviously, Dana White doesn't agree with it, but when you have such a, a, a big stable of fighters, there has to be an arrangement. Like I said, why didn't you just say, how much is your cut? X amount. Is that what your fighters give you? Yes. All right, we're going to give you your cut, and we're going to pay the fighters. That's it. Or we're going to pay the fighters and the fighters will pay you and we'll work something out if you don't get paid. There's always a way to hash things out. Obviously, there was already a little bit of animosity with Overeem being cut, so they figured, fuck it, we'll just cut everybody loose. Not a fan. Not a fan of that at all. On the contrary, I'm a little, I'm a little annoyed with the UFC for that. Moving on, Strikeforce Challengers was announced that that would be Strikeforce Challengers 18. That's going to be happening August 12th. There's actually some really great fights on that card. George Grigel and Joe Duarte are your main event. Nate James and Danilo Villafort are also fighting. Pat Healy and Eric Wisely. Sarah D'Elio and uh, Ronda Rousset. Roy Jones Jr., not related to Roy Jones the boxer, before you guys get crazy, is fighting uh, Derek Neiman. So, Strikeforce Challengers is the 12th. We got UFC this weekend with uh, Tito and Rashad. You got Rampage and John Jones around the corner. It's a, it's a really great time for to be an MMA fan. 
you know, a, a, taking away all the politics that has happened. But Strike Force Challengers free MMA on Showtime August 12th. If you're in Vegas, it's going to be at the Pearl at the Palms Casino, and you'll be able to check that out there. In some other UFC news, they've made some changes for the August 14th event that was supposed to be Dan Hardy versus Chris Lytle, Ben Henderson versus Jim Miller, Donald Cerrone versus Charles Oliveira, and Dwayne Ludwig versus Amir Sadala. On the prelims, though, is where the change happened. Originally, Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres was supposed to be fighting Leonard Garcia. Unfortunately, Leonard Garcia had to pull out because of an injury, so they got a new signed prospect, Jim Hetz, taking his place. So he will be fighting Bruce Leroy on that card. I'm super pumped for that. I'm a big Dan Hardy fan, and him fighting Chris Lytle is going to be really exciting. And Henderson, Ben Henderson and Jim Miller also is going to have fight of the night written all over it. And moving Donald Cerrone versus Charles Oliveira to the main card is going to be just as badass as well. And that's going to be August 14th on Versus. To close out the MMA news, we got two other things to discuss. Gina Carano has been cleared by her doctor to resume training. She hopes to make her return to the cage before the year is out. Her manager, Scott Karp, said that she's feeling really good and she's ready to get back in there and train. Gina Carano was recently seen promoting Haywire at the San Diego Comic-Con. Of course, you can see the trailer for Haywire on MyTakeRadio.com. Lastly, and I wanted to save this for the end for the same, because the implications of this are, are really dividing the MMA community. Dana White said today that Fedor is no longer a strike force fighter. But according to M1 Global Director of Operations, um, Evgeny Kogan that's not a true statement. He stated the following, really, given that, given that White doesn't have a contract with Fedor, I find that very interesting. Kogan then went on to explain that Fedor's contract is not with Strikeforce, but with Showtime. He also stated that as part of the deal to bring Fedor to the U.S., Showtime negotiated a deal to broadcast four M1 Global events in 2011. Kogan also indicated that Fedor may find a home with M1 Global which he owns a minority ownership stake. Very bummed about that. Any, any chance of Fedor fighting in a UFC octagon is gone. Why was Fedor cut? Obviously the easy solution. Oh, he, t- he had three losses and he got cut. All right, fine. But you know what? You're cutting a guy who even with three losses can put asses in seats, period. So to sit there and say, yeah, you know, we cut Fedor because he lost three fights is the easy way out. If Fedor does have a contract with Showtime, then he'll probably go fight an M1. And if M1 is smart, they'll work with Golden Glory, and they can probably get that Fedor versus Overy match, which will have a huge buy rate. Dana White was salivating at the opportunity to cut Fedor, period. Let's not fucking kid ourselves. Before anybody pops in and says, yeah, well, you know, you're a Fedor nut hugger. Nope. It's not even that. I'm a fan of Fedor. I'm a fan of the UFC. But I also know that there's personal issues there and that Dana White was salivating and chomping at the bit to cut Fedor loose. And as soon as the opportunity presented itself, he did. I got to throw a shout out to Slick because even Slick said it. Dana White was dying to cut Fedor, period. And Slick watches MMA casually. He's a, he's a casual fan that's, that's learning about more stuff as we watch more fights together. But Slick said it himself. Dana White was dying to cut Fedor. 
And it, and it's a sad it's a sad state of affairs when this guy's entire career is getting erased because Zufa put out the hype machine, taking away some of the some of this guy's accomplishments, which is unfortunate. Dana White, you know, like I said, personal animosity sometimes gets in the way of better business. Fedor puts money in your pocket. Period. That's how I feel about it. I'm going to take a little break, and when we get back, we are actually going to discuss some wrestling. But before I talk about Raw, I do want to talk about some other bullshit that's happening with our good old boys at TNA right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people. I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight? Tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. BlogTalkRadio.com, Eastern Standard Time. Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right. Now, before I hit this wrestling intro, please note the following. TNA Wrestling probably is going to lose me as a fan. Not only because of something I'm going to discuss, but just because they consider the wrestling audience fucking stupid. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Let's hit this music. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. All right. Before I talk about Raw or any of the other wrestling stuff, I want to talk about something that happened you know, earlier today. And for those of you that are correcting me and saying Impact Wrestling, it still says TNA on the fucking belt. And until that changes, it's TNA Wrestling. The show is Impact. Let's not split fucking hairs. All right. As many of you know, Amazing Red has been on our show a couple of times. I consider Red not only a guest, but a friend. He's a, he's, a, he's, a good, he's a good friend. He's a great talent. He's one of the most humble individuals I've met that I've had the pleasure of meeting. He's, he's a consummate professional. And he announced today that him and TNA have decided to part ways. Now, Based on what Red said on Twitter, he felt that it was, you know, he, he stated that it was more or less mutual because creative, quote-unquote, did not have anything for him. Now, we all have heard this excuse numerous times. Ah, oh, creative doesn't have nothing for you. That's why you're going to sit home for three months, blah, 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 blah. Now, this is where, if you're not a fan of wrestling, tune in and about... 15 minutes. If uh, you don't want to hear some really foul language, shut off your headphones or turn down your speakers. But TNA fucked up. TNA did a pay-per-view called Destination X. It was supposed to be the resurgence and the rebirth of the X division. Countless wrestling fans paid money, good money, to order that pay-per-view. Why? Because they were fans of the X Division. They weren't fans of Sting 
a.k.a. Heath Ledger 2.0. They didn't give two shits about him or crippled-ass Hulk Hogan or Silver Fox Bischoff. Didn't give a fuck about any of that. They gave a damn about the X Division. Guys like AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Brian Kendrick, Kazarian, Red, Sabin, Generation Me, Alex Shelley. You go down a list of guys that can go out there and deliver epic matches at the drop of a hat. Some of you are going to sit here and, and throw that bullshit at me. Oh, yeah, well, you know, they're all spot monkeys, blah, blah, blah. Unless you plan on getting in the ring, don't pass fucking judgment. It's the same thing that I said before with MMA. Don't pass judgment. Now, with that said, Amazing Red was told that Creative had nothing for him. You want to know why Creative had nothing for him? Because they stuck all their energy into promoting Sting's receding hairline as he pretends to be the fucking Joker every week, insulting our intelligence. The fact that he came out dressed in a red suit like a complete jagoff with shitty-ass makeup, and the fact that his T-shirt, which is out there on TNAWrestling.com or ImpactWrestling.com, showing him in Joker-esque makeup saying nervous, which is a play on obviously why so serious, is an insult to my fucking intelligence. Stop. You fucking shit-kicking hillbilly motherfuckers down there know for a fact that the X Division is what people want to see. They don't want to see Hogan hobbling his crippled ketchup and mustard ass down the ramp to cut his shitty brother, 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 old brother promos. Cut the shit. You got guys that basically will break their backs on a fucking high wire to get a belt that you guys don't even give a shit about. You don't. That, that's what the fuck we do. We go and we promote Bubba Ray Dudley. Bubba Dudley as a major heel. That's what we promote. That's what the fuck we do. We worry about Jeff Hardy, who's come to pay-per-views wasted, beat up, drugged up, etc., etc. And that's where we invest our energies. We invest our energies in Matt Hardy. Where the fuck is he? Sitting somewhere on his ass. Fucking Reby Sky. That's what that nigga's doing. He is not wrestling. Where is he? Home, collecting a check. You bring back ODB, you bring back Jacqueline, you bring back Tracy Brooks, you want to revitalize your knockouts division. Great. More power to you. How about the fucking guys that have killed themselves with this company since it started? It's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment when Abyss holds your X Division title. Fucking Abyss. Don't even sit there and try and justify that the whole reason why you did it with Abyss was because you wanted to make him a monster heel to feud with the X Division. Because guess what? Is that feud even going on? Because you could have fucking fooled me. And then you take a guy... Like Crimson. I like Crimson. He's cool. But who helped get Crimson over? Red did. Red came out. They made him brothers. How the fuck is Red not on TV and Crimson is? What, because Crimson is taller? Because he has a whole bunch of kick-ass, crazy-looking tattoos? Is that why he's on TV every week? The guy can wrestle, but he fucks up a couple of times. Hell, he fucked up in the tag team match tonight. Let's not fucking bullshit ourselves. TNA, you bunch of fucking motherfuckers, sitting here talking shit about 
wrestling matters. If wrestling fucking mattered, we'd see real wrestling. Not Sting raping Heath Ledger's corpse. Why don't you just do that? Why don't you do the Katie Vick angle with Sting dragging a coffin with Heath Ledger in it and fucking it? Because it would be better. It would be more amusing than the bullshit I see. Wrestling matters to who? Not to you motherfuckers, you pieces of shit. If it mattered to you guys, we'd see more wrestling. Period. You're bound for glory series. Half of those guys, Samoa Joe, you want to build your X division with a monster heel and have a belt on somebody who fucking knows how to make the division exciting? Put the belt on Samoa Joe. Put it on Samoa Joe, because when Samoa Joe had the belt, the X division was popping. You, you know, you had Amazing Red out there, not only playing Red, but you damn well all know that he was fucking Sangriento out there, too. He was playing two characters. You mean to tell me that Creative couldn't do anything with either one of those characters? Either one. Either one. You motherfuckers couldn't do the most easiest thing by making Crimson and Red a tag team and having them compete in your fucking tag team division, not only to help Crimson improve as a wrestler, but to put Red on television? And it's not even Red! It's not even uh, me citing the relationship with Red, but I've seen him and countless other guys wrestle on smaller shows, non-televised events, and they go out there and they give 110%. Sure, they don't come out and cut the greatest promos, some of these guys, but you know what? They give a fuck about wrestling. Sting doesn't give a shit about wrestling. Sting gives a fuck about a paycheck and a belt. But no, that, the TNA wants to go and get guys that the, that the WWE doesn't want, and then those guys get the belt. That's what we do. We put the belt on those guys. Has Christopher Daniels ever even been considered for a title other than the X Division title? No. That's why he fucking leaves every couple of months. Because they don't give a fuck about him. Let's not even talk about AJ. Where the, what the fuck are they doing with him? Nothing. This Down for Glory series is just an excuse to get all the upper card guys over. I, I know that they got Gunner in there, and he's a new guy, and he's kind of cool, but why do I need to see this fucking guy on TV every week? And the X Division gets three minutes. I'm insulted, I'm offended, and TNA is really fucked up. Jay Lethal, I kind of let it slide. Generation Me, they fucking left. Young talent that actually turned around and said, you know what, fuck you guys, we're done. And to quote Red, he future endeavored himself and the company. Because creative had nothing for him. I'm disgusted and I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed that you sit there and you just bury your talent. Bury them. Bury them. But, you know, Sting's receding hairline and the fact that he wears a T-shirt every week because he doesn't want to fucking wear his Michael Jackson fucking ring, ring gear is, is silly. It's fucking silly. I'm done, man. I'm done. Quite honestly... I mean, shit, I may not even watch TNA anymore. For what? The fuck am I watching for? Why am I going to give them the rating? So they can turn around and give me piss-poor wrestling and insult my intelligence? Because that's what they do. They insult the fans' intelligence. You started something really good with some of these guys, all oh, the X Division, blah, blah, blah. Nothing. Nothing. I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how foolish it is when most of your talent is barely on there. Barely. And the guys that are on there 
you put like Scott Steiner. I like Scott Steiner. He's fun to to have around. Do I need him on TV every week? No. Would he make a good bodyguard for somebody? Yep. Seriously. Why is Jeff Hardy even still with the company? If he's on the verge of going to fucking jail or whatever the fuck he's doing, pull him the fuck out of there. Same shit with Matt Hardy. Are you injured? Are you not injured? Bring your ass to work. And I'm not sitting here being an armchair quarterback telling wrestlers, hey, you should do this, hey, you should do that, but you go and you you do this whole big campaign about wrestling matters and then you just do some real hypocritical shit. That's what it is. Big hypocrites. Easy as that. The last bit of TNA news I'm going to share with you guys is for their pay-per-view. And the reason I'm going to share this with you is because of the following. Your six-man tag match has Fortune with AJ Styles, Daniels, and Kazarian against Immortal, Gunner, Abyss, and Scott Steiner. For your Bound for Glory series match, you got RVD versus Crimson. And then, here's a good one, The Pope, which is a great character, by the way, versus Devon. Why is Devon anywhere near consideration for a belt? I understand you want to push these guys individually, but why? Then you got Beer Money versus Mexican America, Brian Kendrick versus Alex Shelley versus Austin Aries, because, you know, you got to defend the X Division title at some point. And, of course, Sting versus Kurt Angle for your main event. I'll tell you guys right now, I honestly think that this is going to be the last thing I, I involve myself with with regards to TNA. That's it, because it's embarrassing. With that said, MTR wants to wish Amazing Red and the other X Division guys that are no longer with the company luck wherever they go. We'll support them with whatever they do. I'm a fan of Jay Lethal. His his macho man his uh, macho man gimmick was fantastic. He's a great wrestler. He's young, talented. Where Red goes from here, who knows? Haven't spoke to him yet. Who knows if he's going to stop by one day and share his thoughts with us. I'm sure he will. I really would like to hear the details of that conversation and share it with you guys because I can only imagine how that shit went. But, alas, this may be the last time I mention TNA Wrestling because, again, it's, it's, it's just not where it should be. And it's an insult to tell me that wrestling matters. That's it. All right, on the Raw side of things, before I go into talking about Monday Night Raw, I want to talk about this very interesting thing that happened with uh, our buddy John Cena. John Cena decided, unless his page was quote-unquote hacked, to send out a naked picture of himself on Twitter. Not, he didn't have his twig and berries out, but he, he was naked. It was, you know, covered strategically, but naked. And then, obviously, it was deleted and nobody said anything. The only thing that went with the picture was a tweet that said that it was a gift for those who had been asking for it. Now, here's the funny thing. You put the picture out. You're supposed to be for the kids, about the kids, blah, 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 hustle, loyalty, and respect, buy my T-shirts. I look like the Kool-Aid man when I come out. Then you go and you say, yeah, I'm just going to put this shirtless picture out there because millions of my fans want to know what I look like nearly all the way down to my bag. Really? Is that what you're doing? And what are you going to say? Your page was hacked? Did you really mean, did you pull a fucking 
who the hell was the, the guy in New York City that did you pull a, an Anthony Weiner? Oh, my page was hacked. Did you mean to send that to, to somebody else, dude? Because because come on, man, it, it, you, you guys drop it and then conveniently it gets deleted. Nobody says anything. Seriously, is this what it's about now? It's like it's like yeah, I'm just gonna put my my twig and berries out there because I'm the WWE champion. Why don't you why don't you just hang your balls in front of the camera and put the champ is here at that rate? Because because seriously, it's like it's like come on, man. And, and if you and if they even attempt to say that oh the page was hacked, it wasn't hacked. Stop, stop it. Because that's what that's what's gonna happen. They're going to be like, oh, my page was hacked. And no, stop. That, that picture ended up on too many other sites, too many other places. And, um, yeah, everybody kind of knew that it was him. Stop, stop the shit. Let's, wor- let's worry about promoting a match with CM Punk and a, and a main event with The Rock that takes place a year from now. Let's focus on that and not about having our balls hanging out on Twitter. Can we do that? Can we please do that? Because otherwise, it's, it's just going to turn into another wrestling promotion that I just can't support anymore. But I've just been informed that Noel is on the line, so I'm going to bring him on. Afterwards, I may come back and talk about Raw. At this point, you guys all know CM Punk came out and cut an epic promo on Triple H. We got two champions. They're going to unify the belts at SummerSlam, et cetera, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Divas Battle Royal that sucks 17 dicks. Wash, rinse, and repeat. With that, let's bring Noel on. Let's talk some Evo. Noel, what's going on, dude? What's up, what's up? Hey, man, thanks for taking the time to come on board and share your Evo adventure with us. <laughs> no problem, no problem. Um, first off, I, I, of course, heard that you were down there representing Unveil, My Take Radio, and, and a SFX 360, Kona's Corners. So thanks thanks for rep- repping us out there and doing a great job. Uh, thanks for sponsoring me. I appreciate it. Now, Obviously, I, I've been seeing the videos of your matches, and you've done Evo now four times, and you actually placed fifth out of fifteen hundred people. You fought some some really big names. You know, just uh, give us a breakdown of just the Evo experience. You know, how you prepare for something like that. You know, what got you motivated to get into it? Let's start there. All right, no problem. Uh, well, first, my very first Evo I went to, I probably like I'm. 2005, I believe it was. And, and back then, I was just like, they had a support. And, um, and uh, I just saw like how, like how hype it was, how everybody was just going crazy or whatever. And I'm like, damn, I just want to be on my stage so bad. Because back then, I didn't play games like, competitively too much. And then I'm like, damn, I just got to train every day, train, train, train. So, um, you know, Street Fighter came out. I wasn't too good in the series. I was, I was, you know, considered a top player in the game, but I wasn't like I was taking the game seriously. But then Marvel vs. Capcom three comes out, and I'm like, damn, this game is like awesome. Like, it's like right up my alley. Like, I love the game so much, so far. And I always wanted to play Marvel vs. Capcom too, but I was like always like too late, and I always like was stepping in the game. I'm like, oh, I don't want to play like the good characters. I want to play characters I like. And then like, hey, no, I get like hold on a second. Are you are you on a cell? Yeah, yeah. You have a a bit of an echo, so maybe try and stand somewhere where you got full strength. All right. All right. So you want me to call you back from like a landline or something? Yeah, you know what? Definitely call back from a, of a from a landline because I think it's where you're standing with your cell because everybody's in the chat talking about you having an echo. All right, my, 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 sorry about that. All right. 
All right, just call right back, man. All right. All right, so Noel is having some audio problems, but uh, he will call us back. But let me just go through a little bit of Monday Night Raw. Like I said, uh, great promo from CM Punk and Triple H. There was a lot of uh, real talk in that promo. CM Punk gave his explanation as to why he came back, and they teased us with what they were going to do regarding the world championship situation. Now, Obviously, we know that him and Cena are going to fight to unify the, the belts. But one of the things I wanted to discuss was the Divas Battle Royal match, which was completely fucked up. Besides Gail Kim eliminating herself for some reason, uh, Beth Phoenix won, which we all expected, because honestly, I am tired of Eve, of Eve Torres being in the title picture. Beth Phoenix won, and epic, epically unexpected heel turn, and that's sarcasm at its best, so we're going to get Beth Phoenix versus Kelly Kelly at SummerSlam. Now, the funny thing about that was the fact that they decided to go with just turning Beth Phoenix heel instead of just um, just letting them have a match. One thing I've noticed with Beth Phoenix is that she's never been given a complete run as a face. It's always kind of a face for a little bit, then turn a he- turn her heel at the drop of a hat. What, what's the deal with Melina? Did, did, she, did she sleep with the wrong dude? Like, like, not to be a dick, but, you know, obviously that's what they say about her, but th- that she's not even being showcased as a heel. Melina's a really good heel. I don't understand why they didn't do anything with her and instead decided to just put it back on Beth Phoenix something's going on. The whole women's division it seems to be in a weird place right now, primarily because they have so many chicks that have 50% tolerable wrestling ability, and then you got one or two standouts. Obviously, Gail Kim, uh, Natalia, Melina to an extent. You know, you don't have other strong wrestlers. The Bella Twins, anybody who even remotely says to me that they can wrestle has to be smoking some serious crack, some some Nino Brown supplied crack, because obviously, no, they can't fucking wrestle. Stop. AJ Lee, she can wrestle. I don't know what they're doing, whether they bring her up to the main roster. She's too busy playing second banana to Natalia. Don't know what the deal is with that. Uh, Maurice is injured, and she has a stalker, so I know she's on the shelf. But um, I don't know. I think with regards to that, the the women's division on TNA for for all the bullshit they have a couple of talented wrestlers there but WWE just seems to be focused on pushing Kelly Kelly to the moon instead of worrying about making sure she learns how to wrestle she did a Luthez press which for those of you that don't know is when you're coming off the ropes and you jump in the air with the person land and then proceed to punch them in the head Luthez press was a move used quite often by one Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, Kelly Kelly did that in a match last week, and I swore, I swore that, that, that this chick was trying to, you know, use, suffocate the, her opponent with her box because she jumped super high. I'm like, I'm like, damn, are you trying to leapfrog over her or are you trying to do a Luthes press? And then it just, when they fell, it looked so awkward, so fucking awkward that I just sat there 
And I was like, wow, did that just really happen? And they tried to really cover it up. But since it's on Raw, it, since it's on Monday Night Raw and it's live, you know that it's uh, a little strange. And with that, I said to myself, yeah, Kelly Kelly does not need to be the fucking champion. She doesn't. And it looks like I believe Noel has called back, so let me bring him back in. Noel, you there? Yeah, yeah. All right, much better. Yeah, you sounded like you were swimming in the Hudson River, dude. I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. That's all right, man. It happens. But um, before you hung up, you were discussing your first uh, experience with getting into competitive gaming. You said you started with Street Fighter, so let's just continue from there. Yeah, that's yeah, when I was like really became really really competitive. Like, 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 all right, damn, all right, this is a game I like. I know how characters I like. And then, and then, Street Fighter Four. The guy that's my favorite character, the guy of Vega, and the guy happened to be the best character in the game. So I was like, oh, like this is right up my alley. Right up my. But then, like, but then it was always like, you know, like my friends, you know, my best friend is Justin Wong. So it was like he was always in the versus game. Everybody I knew was always in the versus game. So I'm like, oh, so Street Fighter like, is fun or whatever. whatever. And I'm like, damn, I'm I want to like have a competitive versus game. And I was too late to get into Marvel 2 because I was like already was like seven years, years into the game. game. So everybody was like already right. advanced. Right. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not going to even try to bother. Right. And then Marvel's Capcom Marvel Marvel came out finally. Came out. And I was like, damn, was like, this, this is the actual game that I can get into. And they had like characters I like, like Wesker. They had Wolverine. Characters like characters. I'm like, yeah, I actually played this game and I could start on the same level as everybody else. So that's exactly what happened. I started going to more tournaments for Marvel's Capcom 3 when it first came out. And then I would travel to California like every two months because Justin moved from New York to California. So I'm like, oh, well, I kind of figured he was going to be the best. So I'm like, I'm out going to train with the best. So I would travel to California like every two months. And then like the week before Evo, I was in California like that whole week just playing with Justin. I would play like three first to 100 sets with Justin a day. So... So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to, I just had to be the best. I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the best. What it was. Well, well, the funny, th- the, the funny thing with that is, of course, you know, you mentioned your, uh, fr- your, your close friendship with Justin Wong. Did did it feel strange for you to be competing on such a big stage, especially you know, in something that he's so well known for being involved in? Did you feel any pressure, especially competing against your boy? That. That's, that's <laughs> You know, that it would cause any issues with your friendship, or did you guys come to the agreement, look, it's a fucking game, and um, uh, we're just going to uh, go out there and have fun? Uh, that, that was definitely, uh, like, a lot, like, of, like, a lot of shit a going lot through my head, a lot of tension, because the first game, he beat me. And then, um, and then um, when we were playing we were in the house and the week before, week before, I would pick Phoenix would, on him, Phoenix, and then I would beat him. him. Yeah, but Phoenix is, like, the best like, character in the game. And she's, she's clearly, like, overpowered, and she's broken. So, like, you wouldn't want to do that to your friend. But I'm just, like, in my head, I'm like, fuck, man. It's, like, $10,000 on the line. I'm going to I'm gonna try to do it. So I picked Phoenix in the second game, and I beat him. And then I looked over his face, and he looked like he was so mad at me. So, so I, like, I'm right there on the spot. I'm like, fuck, man. Like, if I beat him this third game, I, I can risk losing my friendship. So I'm not, I'm not going to say I do the match, but I'm not going to say, like, I, I tried my hardest either. But cause, like, cause at the end of the day, like, my friendship with him is more important than a fucking game anyway. No, I respect you for that. But but with regards to that, you, you were saying that, you know, that Phoenix is broken and, you going in going into that match, you know, did you did you 
pick her by choice? Did you say, ah, right, you know, fuck it, I'm going to use Phoenix? Or was that something where you just felt that it was the right matchup based on who he picked? Exactly. exactly. It, was the, it, it was the right matchup based on who he picked. Because that was the only person I picked Phoenix on the whole tournament. The, the rest of the tournament, I picked uh, my, my regular team, Wolverine, Wesker, Akuma. Well, how did it how did it feel going in and this being the first Evo placing fifth? How much how much practice did you do? You know, you were saying that you flew out there every two weeks. When you're when you're here in 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 New York, how how do you train for? It? Are you playing the game three four hours a day? Are you doing it dedicating a couple of days where you just sit in front of the TV and you do what you got to do? How does it work in terms of prepping at home versus prepping on site? Well, well, pretty much was what, like, what I do is, like, we have sessions. Well, the people I have sessions with here, they're not really on my level. They're probably, like, uh, on a scale from 1 to 10, they're probably, like, a 5, and I would put myself at, like, an 8 or a 9. But it's just, like, I would just practice combos pretty much. That's all I worry about when I play, like, other people besides Justin. Like, when I play Justin, that's when I, like, incorporate the strategy or whatever. But when I'm playing, like, like the other people, like, I can play anybody. I can play you. I can play, like, a dog. Like, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to practice my combos and make sure I have my combos 100%. Because that's the most important part. And when, you, like, when you're trying to land the hit, it's the strategy part. And you learn that when you're playing, like, the top players. Has the, so I'll probably has dedicate, I'll probably dedicate probably, like, uh, I'll say, like, 20 hours a week, most, most. Yeah, not, not too much because but when I'm at Justin's house, you know I gotta practice a lot because I don't I don't get, I don't often get a chance to play with somebody that good. Well, one thing I I, I wanted to ask with regards to that, and I've noticed this, and you know I've I've spoken to Prodigy and a couple of other professional gamers. Does your love of the game change now that you play it professionally? In other words, does it become more of a job? Oh yeah, definitely. Oh, like, like when I was before when I was playing, playing video games competitively, I would always be like, "Oh man, I'm so oh, excited man, for this so new game. I want to go buy this new game. I want to go buy that." But now I'm just like, when people like, "Hey, you want to play?" And I'm like, "Oh, is there a big tournament coming up?" And they're like, "Nah, not really." And I'm like, "Nah, then I don't want to play." Like, I, like, I. Damn, that's cold, man. It pretty much. That's just what it is. I'm like, I barely want to play. Like, I don't. I don't really like practicing. And I used to always wonder because back in the day, you know, when I used to want to play with Justin, like the other games, like the third strikes and the street fight and the CBS two or whatever, like whatever. I'm like, yo, Justin, I'm like, play here. Always be like, uh, nah, I'm bored. I don't want to play and blah blah blah. And I'm like, how, how could you not want to play? Like, it's so fun. But now I'll see why. Like, when you have to do it, like, you know, like, oh, when you have to do it to get paid, it's like, it's like. It's a job. You don't. You don't want to work nine to five every day. Who wants to do that? Well, it, 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 in looking at it as a job right now, are do you have you felt that you've made a decent amount of money playing so far, or is this one of the first instances where you've gotten up there and made any any decent dough? Well, well, I have my own place, a two bedroom a apartment. Two bedroom apartment. So um, I'm, pretty, I'm, pretty, I'm, make, I'm making I'm a good amount of money to live off of it. This is the only thing I'm doing. Wow, uh, not you, you know what's a what's an average, and you don't you don't have to divulge your own. Uh, what's an an average pro gamer takeaway in a year? You would say Ooh, a, Ooh, year? a year. But, uh, uh, say, uh, uh, well, well, me personally, me I probably make about like fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars a month. So, so uh, I'll say like uh, my my average will probably be like. Uh, uh, 
probably like six o'clock. Probably, probably, probably a lobby, a lobby because like all the bonuses I get on top of that, just like showing up appearances and shit like that. If you want to like, if you want that up and with there too, then I'll probably get like probably like six, probably fifty k a month. I mean fifty k a year. Sorry. Well, I, one one question, and you know, I, Andrew in our chat asked it when I was speaking of Prodigy, and I'd like to hear your response to this. When, when you know, as you get older and your reflex, reflexes change, you know, what do you intend to do with regards to that? Do you want to go into gaming as a profession also, or maybe work on that side of the gaming community a little bit more, or are you just doing this right now to to make that dough, and then when the time comes, you just withdraw quietly and take your money and go. <laughs> no, actually, I'm actually like on the verge of actually working with games. Like, actually, I'm probably going to be moving to Cali within the next year or so, or probably like next two years. Um, I've had, I have a lot of things set up for the future as far as gaming goes. Like me, as far as me working behind the scenes, I might be working with Evo soon. Probably like just like just a lot of things. I just can't. There's not a lot of room for growth out here in New York as far as video games go. So like I'll, I'll be obligated to move to California if I want to do do something in that field. But I probably will. Um, I wanted to ask about this because you know, I, I did my homework. I watched a, co- a couple of your matches. You know, on YouTube. I um, okay. I want to ask about somebody getting their ass whooped on a YouTube video by you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did I did come across that because, you know, nothing nothing is sacred on the Internet. And now, obviously, these tournaments are, are very stressful. And at the drop of a hat, you can spaz out and, and, and beat somebody's ass. But what what went down to that event to get that to happen? I know you, you know, you, you ate a suspension for that, but... Is it always like that? And what was the mo- what was the factor that triggered this guy pretty much getting smashed <laughs> on video? <laughs> All right, to be honest, like I, I'm never that type of person. I'm never. I'm always I'm cool, collected at tournaments. Like I'm always after everybody, whatever. Like even, even if you're a random scrub, if you ask me a question or you need any type of help, I'm just like, all right, here, all right, what you should do more and blah blah blah. So like so, like move Viper, Eric. We're, we're cool we're, now, we're, by the way. Now, we're we're not enemies or anything like that. But uh, before but, uh, that, we were we were friends. Like I was at his house party like two days before that incident even occurred. And uh, what happened was he lost early in the tournament, and and he wanted everybody else to lose too because he lost early. So he's like, yeah, every, everybody else needs to lose with me. So so. I was playing my first playing match, and he's talking and he's so much shit. So much he's like yelling at the top of his lungs and, and saying, you fucking suck and all the type of crazy shit. So, so uh, I lose, uh, right? And as I'm, as I'm losing, he walks up to the front where I keep my stuff at. And um, and I like, because I, I usually have like my iPod and everything in my pocket, and I take that out during the match. So that way, you know, I, I can put the I can put a stick on my lap and it can rest easily. So he goes to the front where I put my stuff, and he takes all my stuff and throws it on the floor. Like he hoists above his head and throws it down on the floor as hard as he could. So then I get pissed off, and I was about to hit him right there. But then, you know, my friends calm me down and like, yo, well, relax, like, it's not worth it. Like, you know, he you know, whatever. So then I pull him outside, like, after I calm down, and I'm like, yo, do not touch me. Don't touch any of my stuff. Don't say anything to me for the rest of this tournament. Because if you say anything to me, I'm going to fuck you up. And I just say, just like that, and I walk away. And then, and then I'll say, like, two minutes later, I'm playing the loser's bracket match. 
and and he's jealous, he's and jealous. I hear him over my headphones. And I wear these big ass headphones, yeah. and I, I put them on. I'm like, come on, value. And I, if I'm and hearing I, you over hear my you headphones, my head, then there's a problem. Because <laughs> I hear him clearly. I hear everything he's saying. <laughs> and and so after so the match, I lose, match, I lose. And then in my and head, then, during the match, during I'm already match, like, I'm just gonna go over there and I'm gonna punch him in the face because I told him not to do it. It's like, if I tell you not to do something and you do it, then that means like you think I'm pussy. You think I'm like I'm just somebody to disrespect it. Like it doesn't matter. I'm not gonna do what I say I'm gonna do. So so I just shake things. The guy's hand. I'm like, yo, good game. I take my headphones off. And then I just walk then over there and I punch him in the face and then we start fighting. That's, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly how it went down. Yeah, the 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 Samba de Amigo machine took an ass whooping off of that. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did see that, but um, the reason I ask is because I see a lot of the theatrics. Like I see the guy, you know, down in the Red Bull, like like Stone Cold Steve Austin, all the oh, theatrics. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I see that kind, that 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 level of theatrics in there, and I said, you know, this is why I could never be a pro gamer because if somebody really tried to pull some stuff like that, I'm really gonna hit him with a chair because <laughs> I have no patience. I have no patience for it. I was curious as to, you know, what went through your mind to, to set you off like that because you know that's, that's serious that you would risk a fan from a tournament to crack a dude over the head, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no. When you when you when you go to touch my stuff, like you can say whatever you want, but if you're touching my iPod, you like you don't pay for any of my belongings. It could have been like you know, like a, a dollar toy that I put up there. It doesn't matter what it was. Like you don't pay for any of my stuff. So don't 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 throw my stuff on the floor, like because if you break it, I know you don't have the money to pay for it. This is true. <laughs> this is very true. No, I I had to ask about it only because you know I do I do my homework and um, I saw it I was like wow that's uh I haven't I have never I haven't seen something like that in a, in a while you know that's something you see you know here in New York in the hood you know? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah that's something where you're playing at your boy's house and they clown you and you get mad and you beat your friend up and then you become friends <laughs> a couple of days later so to see that on on such a a large stage I said I have to ask him about it now with that the um. And this is this is something I've noticed with with guys like Daigo and especially you know him losing at, at this Evo. When when these guys get to that level and they lose, what, do you guys feel that you pick apart why he lost? Like when you guys are watching watching the tournament unfold, do you see like oh man he fucked up there or oh that's not something he normally does? Like do you guys dissect any kind of tape after that, especially for guys like? Like that, like Daigo, like Justin Wong, of course, and and those guys. Do you guys watch tape to see where they made their mistakes? Oh, definitely, oh, definitely. definitely. Like, like, um, the dude that I, the first dude I played in top eight, um, um, X Ray. There's a video of me playing him because I like, I'll say about a month ago I played him in a tournament in NorCal Regional, and he completely destroyed me. Like it was two zero. I got fucked up. I did not know what was going on, and then, um, and then after that, I went to the I went to train him because I I was like, damn, like I didn't I didn't know what the fuck he was doing. I didn't know what I could punish or what I couldn't punish. So I went to train him and I like and I practiced against those characters and I watched a lot of the videos that of me and him playing. And then I just kept watching it over and over and over and then like I would see his habits and like things he would do, things he would rely on or whatever. And then that's why when I played him in top eight evo, I, I destroyed him two zero. So like it's pretty so, like, much every yeah everybody like everybody, that, that I don't know I don't know on a high level high will watch their videos and see like all right this is what I did wrong against this guy or this is his bad habits or things like that but 
you know, because you, you always want to improve to get better. You don't want to like stay on the same level. So you, so in order to, in order to, in order to improve, you need to see what you're doing wrong. You need to see your flaws and improve on your flaws and improve on your opponent's flaws as well. Wow. Hey, that's a, that's a, you. You put it up there with you know watching some game tape before a football game or before a fight. So that that's actually good that you guys do that because most guys, you know, I hate hearing some of these guys do interviews and they're like, nah, man, I don't practice. You know, I just go in there, it comes naturally, and it's like you're full of shit. Nah, I'm not going to say that. That's bullshit. Yeah, because you got to do, there has to be some level of of, of preparation for that. Now, when you're not training, what what games are you playing? What what genre of games are you still involved in? Are you still playing fighting games or are you playing other games just to, to break the cycle a little bit? To be honest, to be when honest, I'm not when, when I'm, I'm not like you know practicing for tournaments, or if I'm not playing like a competitive fighting game as practice, then I, I don't play games. To be honest, like, I usually be, I used to be into like RPGs really heavy, but there hasn't been any good ones like lately that I like. So like pretty much all I do is like go out and try to like get girls. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> hey, there's no no harm in that, man. No shame in your game. Um, definitely not. Definitely. When when you're competing, are you did you build your own rig to go out and compete in terms of the, the joystick and the the parts that you got for it, or was that something with trial and error and then you kind of figured out what works for you? How did you, you know, take something that suited your play style and make it your own? Oh, uh, to be honest, I just like picked up a regular Mac Hash joystick and then I would just try different joysticks in the beginning, but like the Mac Hash joystick was like the one that felt the most comfortable for me. And I and I ran with that. I just like, oh, I just like, oh. So whenever I go to a tournament, I don't I don't usually take my joystick with me because I don't like travel. I don't want to play with it because I always get like questioned and like always extra security and shit like that because they're like, oh my god, it's probably a bomb in here or something. So I usually just go to a tournament and they're like, uh, I feel like a lot of people's joysticks are like no homo, no homo. But um, I usually like play with a lot of people's joysticks and they're like, whichever one feels the most comfortable, like as far as like. The, the looseness or the tightness of the sticks and the binds and everything like that. I was like, hey, can I just use your, your stick for like, the whole tournament? And most people are the most recent. They're like, oh, yeah, okay, no problem. Yeah, and especially if, they, if you're a known player. So then they're like, oh, yeah, well, you're in a well-browned. Of course you use my stick. Well, I've seen, I've seen a couple of guys, they go and they, and they got these super elaborate joysticks. And I've seen, you know, there, a lot of guys take it, take it as pretty much a craft to build their own. So... You know, I, I figured I'd ask only because, you know, some guys are really touchy about the rig that they take and, you know, they have some pre-match rituals and shit. So I wanted to make sure. I wanted to make I, – I was curious to see. Well, that's actually good because you can go and just grab, you know, a joystick off the shelf and do your thing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. All right, that's what's up, man. Well, um, I, th- I think we've covered everything. Well, first off, you know, I appreciate you coming through. Secondly – Congratulations on on such a high placement and uh, thank you. thanks for thank you. thanks for repping us at the at the event. Especially you know we we from New York too, so we got some love, homie. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you looking out, man, and stopping through. Thank you, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you for one for no, no, you know, thank you for, for and, like believing in me. That's all that matters. Hey, man, you 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 went out there, you placed you placed really high, and you hung with with some really bad dudes out there, man. So you know, hopefully. Hopefully next Evo or even sooner than that, we'll we'll see a nice uh, first place trophy with a nice fat check. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you calling, and you know you're always welcome back, man. Whenever you're competing, you're welcome to come through, and you know chat with us and cut it up here on the show. 
All right, I'll give you all guys right. a call soon, all right? All right. All right, brother. Take care of yourself. Thanks for stopping through. Right, you too. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Noel Brown. You can actually follow him on Twitter. He is actually Noel fucking Brown on Twitter. I'm not even kidding. That's that's what he is on Twitter. Uh, definitely props to him for repping my take radio at Evo, putting us out there on the map. So a shout out to him and, of course, our partners at Unveil, the crew at SFX360, Kona's Corner, for also sponsoring Noel, and, of course, just for being a local guy from, from New York City trying to do his thing. So I was actually very impressed that he's making a solid living off competing professionally. That's one of the first, that's one of the first times I've heard of, uh, of a local guy that competes on the scene really making some good enough money where he's made it a, uh, a, full-time, a full-time gig. So props to Noel for coming through and talking about that. We're going to take another commercial break. When we get back, we are going to talk some video games. Perfect segue, of course, right after this. You know those shows you know those where they play video game video music game. and they laugh in like really high voices? Like, <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So, um, so if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, video game news radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right, before I get into the video game segment, I wanted to just backtrack a second because I wanted to discuss something in the opening monologue regarding the new Ultimate Spider-Man, which has been getting a lot of press lately, especially from douchebags like Glenn Beck. It was also referenced in a personal blog post by one of our writers, that being Bronx. And um, I'm going to probably discuss that before we go into the movie segment, only because there's going to be a lot of Marvel stuff in the movie segment. And since I missed the... uh, the, the the ball with that at the beginning of the show, I figured it would be a great opportunity to discuss that a little further. I'm sure that Slick is going to have his opinion on that as well, and we'll be able to share that also. So let's get right into the video games, because there's there's some crazy stuff this week. That's for damn sure. <laughs> All right, our buddies at Capcom are doing a little bit of double-dipping besides Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom, which we know will be out in November. They are doing a double-dip with the Resident Evil franchise. GameSpot is reporting that two Resident Evil remakes will be coming out in North America in September. The first is going to be Resident Evil 4 HD, which is going to be out September 20th. A week later, Code Veronica X HD will be available on September 27th. Both titles will be available in retail, PSN, and Xbox Live games on demand. So if you haven't played Resident Evil 4 at this point, which I'm shocked if you haven't, you'll be able to pick up HD versions in September. Now, I already have issue with double dipping with Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom for a couple of reasons. Now we're going to double dip into Resident Evil 4. Why? I have no idea. I honestly think that at this point, There's no necessity to continue rehashing that shit, but hey, some people 
may not have played Resident Evil, and they may just be looking for an excuse to pick up a 1080p version. So September will be the time for both of you guys. Well, they'll pick up both titles, not both of you guys. Sorry. little exhaustion setting in. Our buddies at Nintendo, of course, last week, had I done a show, I would have been able to discuss this a little further, but I actually have a couple of things to say about Nintendo and their forecasted profits. Now, according to their new earnings forecast, which is supposed to be ending March of 2012, the company expects to earn $257 million. But the crazy thing about that is that it's an 82% drop from the original $1.4 billion that they expected. They're saying that the trends are due to stronger than than expected yen appreciation and sales performance. As such, they've decided to do a price reduction of the 3DS and also their sales outlook for the holiday season. First quarter profits were cut in half from last year, ending at $1.2 billion. Overall, Nintendo saw a drop of $489 million in operating income. They said they were also subject to a net loss of $334 million. Now, looking at that, let's, let's talk about a couple of reasons why that's happening. Number one, you have a console that has no new games coming out, that being the Wii. There hasn't been a good Wii game in I don't know how long. First-party support is all but fizzled out. Third-party support is non-existent. The Wii is essentially a paperweight. The fact that more people are watching Netflix on their Wii than playing games is mind-boggling. That's number one. Number two, you put out a 3DS that's essentially a paperweight. You put out rehashed games that people have played, no first-party offerings, and there's not even going to be a first-party offering probably till the end of September, at best. So with that said... Nintendo was in panic mode, and they announced that on August 12th, next week, the 3DS will be dropping from $249 to $169. That is insane. Japan's going to see a price drop of 25,000 yen to 15,000 yen. Europe will also be receiving a price cut, but the price has not been discussed as of yet. In addition to that, for those of you that have a 3DS that are really shaking your fist at Nintendo for being fucked out of $250, rest assured that you guys will be getting compensated as well. If you connect to Nintendo's eShop, you'll be entered into Nintendo's 3DS Ambassador Program. That program is going to give you 10 free NES Virtual Console games on September 1st, including The Legend of Zelda, Balloon Fight, and Ice Climber. You're also going to be able to get 10 Game Boy Advance Virtual Console titles as well. Now, the funny thing with that is that they're going to give you 10 free old Virtual Console games and 10 Game Boy Advance games. The Game Boy Advance games will not be available to anyone else and are going to be titles like Yoshi's Island, Super Mario Advance 3, Mario Kart Super Circuit, Metroid Fusion, WarioWare, Mega Micro Games, and Mario vs. Donkey Kong. Free NES titles. Hooray. Free Game Boy Advance titles. Quaking in my boots in excitement. The whole reason why the 3DS failed was because 
for that type of an aggressive pricing and having no first-party games, no one was going to shell that money out. And those of you that did have already told me that you barely play it, you're waiting for games to come out, or you've sold it or traded it in because there's nothing to play. At $169, it's a very attractive price, but again, you're going to pay $169 and not have any games. Nothing. The only games you're going to probably be able to pick up will be in the middle to the end of September, which I believe are going to be two Mario games. Um, you know, the DSi, the DSi XL, the DSi XL is $169 now. In dropping the 3DS to $169, what do you do with the DSi XL? Do you drop it further? Do you expect both, both units to sell for that price and people not go with the newer system? Because if that's going to be the case, then the DSi XL is going to take a huge hit. The most you could probably do, and that's just a recommendation on my part, is drop the 3DS, you know, drop the DSi XL to 100 bucks. That way, you can still get some money off of that at an attractive price point. And then if people want something a little bit more, you pick up the 3DS. Again, my opinion, obviously, when, these, when this news dropped, the Internet pretty much caved in on itself with everybody going, you see, fucking Nintendo, blah, blah, blah. I've talked about Nintendo being loaded with shit for countless episodes. I sold the Wii that I owned because it's collecting dust. My sister plays the DS, and what does she play? Old games, because there's nothing new out that's worth anything. The last good DS game that came out was Pokemon, which a lot of you guys are still playing. Other than that, nothing else of, of note. So to see that Nintendo's not making any money, I'm not shocked. And then the worst thing is that they put out the 3DS, then they say, hey, we're just not going to make nothing for the Wii anymore because we announced the Wii U, which will be out in 2012. So, you know what, let's just focus our energies on that and fuck everybody who bought the, the Wii home system. It's as easy as that. Now, the funny thing is that Kotaku mentioned that everybody in Nintendo's upper management took a pay cut. Satoru Iwata took a 50% pay cut, and he takes full responsibility for the slow sales. Now, here's the funny thing. He's taking a 50% pay cut. His pay rate last year was about $1.8 million. So he's going to take 50% of $1.8 million as a pay cut. Oh, wow, you're really hurting. Nintendo also said that representative directors, including Shigeru Miyamoto and Shinji Hatano, took a 30% cut, while other executives are now receiving 20% less. It was only a matter of time, honestly, before people opened their eyes and realized that Nintendo's been getting by rehashing and not innovating any of their original IPs. Every game you buy is a, is a fresh coat of paint on the same old shit that you've played. Every Mario Kart you've played has had maybe one or two enhancements, but it's still Mario Kart. The only game that I felt advanced anything further for an IP was Super Mario Galaxy, and they continued to just beat that up with Super Mario Galaxy 2 and did nothing further. You crank out Mario sports titles because they're the easiest shit to put out. Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, that's as far as your creativity goes. What the fuck, man? It's a shocker you guys didn't have losses two years back. On the, on the bright side, though, I do commend Nintendo's executives for, for manning up and saying, look, man, we fucked up. 
and we're going to give ourselves a pay cut. What If that pay cut is legit, then they get my utmost respect for admitting that they fucked up. Because guess what? When people fuck up here in America, the public is left holding the bag. See Goldman Sachs, see fucking Fannie Mae, see our own U.S. government for that matter. So I got to, you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. But I'm also going to acknowledge the fact that Nintendo skated for way too long with their existing IPs. Moving on, we got some downloadable content for Red Dead Redemption coming. It's going to be nice and free. It's going to be the Myths and Mavericks pack. It's going to feature fan-favorite characters that gamers will get to use, including new and also new maps for Deathmatch, Gang, Grab the Bay, and a couple of other online modes as well. In keeping with the trend of talking about numbers and sales, here's something very interesting regarding the PSP that, I, that came across my desk earlier today. According to Sony's first quarter report, both the PS3 and the PSP sold 1.8 million systems. Meanwhile, the Nintendo 3DS sold 700,000 units. This is 600,000 more PSPs sold during the same time last year, yet the PS3 dropped. Sony expects to sell 15 million PS3s this year. Last year, they sold 14.3 million. Now, the crazy thing with that is obviously... They're trying to get the, as many PSPs out the door as possible before dropping the Vita. But once again, beautiful hardware from Sony, no fucking games. So the fact that they are not moving units is a no-brainer. And to read that, I'm not shocked in the least. For those of you that are fans of RPGs and like to play games on your iPhone or your iPad, you're going to get the opportunity to play Final Fantasy. Square Enix announced that you'll be able to play Final Fantasy, which should be available today. It's going to be compatible with the iPhone 4 and the iPhone 3GS. iPad players are going to need to wait for an iPad-specific version, which will launch later. But, of course, any iPhone games are usually playable on the iPad. The port's going to run you $15, so you can get your Final Fantasy tactics on the go. So if you want to pick that up, head over to the iTunes Store. Again, it's going to be $15.99 and it's compatible with the iPhone 4 and the 3GS. And you can look for Final Fantasy Tactics, The War of Lions. So I'm sure some of you guys could give two shits, but I know a couple of people that actually play a lot of mobile games, so I'm sure that Square Enix is going to make a couple of dollars off of you guys with that. Now, last week, I took the opportunity to call EA out on fucking their their customers over with NBA Jam. Now, EA decided to fuck, the, to fuck over its customers with something new and completely silly. That, my friends, is a glorified EA Sports season ticket. Now, you're asking yourself, EA Sports season ticket, what does that mean and how much does it cost and what does it give me? Well, check this out. The EA Sports ticket is going to cost you $25 a year. It's going to allow players to download full versions of games to play three days before their retail launch. In addition to that, you'll get a 20% discount on downloadable content and have access to free premium web content. But like anything else involving EA, there's always a catch. Any games that you download before their retail release will only be available to play until launch date, 
when the game is launched on at retailers, the game that you had access to for your $25 a year will actually stop working and time out, and you will be encouraged to purchase the game at retail for full price. So basically, what you're doing is you're paying EA $25 a year to play a three-day trial of a fucking game. That's what happens. So let's say Madden drops August 14th, for, argu for argument's sake. That means that your season pass will allow you to play Madden August 10th or probably August 11th, more than likely, three days early, August 11th. Come August 14th, your game will stop working, and then EA is going to say, hey, why don't you go and buy yourself the disc for $60? So basically you pay 25 bucks to play a demo three days early, and then you have to go and buy the game for full price because they're not even giving you a discount on it. On the contrary, you're getting a discount only on the DLC. I don't understand how EA sits there, fist fucks gamers, right in the ass, doesn't even put on a glove or Vaseline. Straight, raw fist, straight up the anal cavity. That's what EA does. And then, when their hand is up there, they proceed to open their hand and proceed to marionette the money out of your pockets. That's what they do. Their hand is up your ass, then they move their fingers, you blink, you take your money out, and you put it on the counter. That's what they pretty much do. I don't understand how anybody would go and pay 25 bucks to play a three-day trial. And you know what the worst part is? Assholes will do it. They'll do it with, with no remorse. Oh, yeah, here's my fucking money, guys. Yeah, EA trial, fucking Madden, Madden. Yeah, I'm going to camp out for it. That's what they're going to do. They'll be super excited to pay $25 for a three-day trial. For a three-day trial. You could fucking, at least $25, it'll get you a hand job somewhere, and there'll be far more enjoyment. You get a three-day trial, and then you got to lay out 60 bucks. Oh, what a bunch of fucking idiots. And then nobody calls EA out on this. Nobody goes on Twitter, the same way they bitch about everything else on Twitter, or, or says, hey, hey, EA, fuck you guys. This is stupid. No, no, they announce it, and people are like, oh, that's going to be fucking awesome. No, it's not. Stop towing EA's line. And I, and I direct this at other gaming shows, at other gaming websites. It is not awesome. It's not cool. It is a blatant disregard for your customers. Seriously. Don't sit there because you got a working relationship with EA and say that it's all good, this EA Sports season ticket, that it's awesome. You fucking assholes, you line-towing pieces of shit. You fuckers know who you are, too. Don't say that shit because it's, it's bullshit. It is. I, I read it on Twitter at least five times. Oh, that's pretty cool, man. You get access to the DLC and you get to play the game. No, 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 no. Fuck out of here with that shit. Ugh, disgusting. In some other EA news, Battlefield 3 is dropping soon, and they have released the pre-order incentives. If you pre-order at GameStop, besides getting the back-to-cark the, the, the back to Carcan map pack, you'll also get an exclusive Physical Warfare DLC, 
And if you're a Power Ups Rewards member, you'll get a Prima Strategy Guide. Yes! Super excited for a fucking strategy guide in the age of the internet where I can go to Game FAQs, free plug, and read the same shit. Yes! Super excited for my GameStop membership to give me a free strategy guide. Woohoo! Fantastic! Fucking idiots. If you pre-order it at Best Buy, you'll get a Spec Act kit with eight multiplayer skins. And for those of you that pre-order through Amazon, you'll get a free set of multiplayer dog tags. Woo! Yes! Pre-order to get some multiplayer dog tags. Who gives a shit? Who? I like what Strider said in the chat. Why the hell would you need a strategy guide for a first-person shooter? Yes! See, this is why Strider is, is... is is a great a great fan of the show. Why would you do it? Strategy guide for an FPS in the age of the internet. I don't understand why strategy guides get made. Sure, some of them have cool art and shit, but seriously, strategy guides. Why do you need them? Why? You can just as easily pull it up on your internet. Do you need something to read on the toilet? Get a hustler. Read a Playboy. Get a um, Jugs Weekly, something. Strategy guide. Who? Who would pay money? I love that. I love when I go in there like, hey, man, you want to buy the strategy guide? How much is it? Oh, $15. Why would I do that? When I can take the $15, put them in gas in my car to drive my ass home, to go to my computer, to once again go to Game FAQ's free plug and pull up what I need. Uh, idiots. On a lighter note, you turn on your PS3, you turn on your 360, hell, you even turn on your Wii when you feel like doing something exciting, and you obviously turn it on, you get access to Netflix, some of you guys get Hulu, which is great because it adds a whole new dimension to your console, allowing you to use it not just for gaming, but for movies and music. So it seems that HBO wants to get it on the fun, and they want to start offering HBO Go for consoles. Now, let me tell you guys, I use HBO Go on, on my iPad. I use HBO Go on my Android phone. HBO Go is awesome. You get to watch movies, stand-up, all the HBO shows, any of the shows that are on now, like True Blood, for instance, you can watch next week's episode a week early. Super awesome. You get it free if you're a cable subscriber. So if you have Fios, you can get it. Time Warner's supposed to be getting it, I believe, next month. So HBO Go is a great service. Now imagine having all that content on your Xbox, catching up on full seasons of, you know, The Wire, Game of Thrones, just at the drop of a hat without even needing to use On Demand. You just turn on your Xbox or your PS3 or the Wii, boom, HBO Go. I'm actually very excited to see that just because I watch HBO Go on the iPad, but Unless I connect my iPad to the TV, I can't really enjoy it the same way. And there's a couple of shows that just aren't on on demand anymore that I don't mind picking up and watching on, you know, HBO Go like Rome or some of those older shows. I really wish that HBO Go had Dream On. Dream On is actually a, a great HBO show from way back when I was younger that I used to watch religiously, even though it was very adult at the time and I was very young, but it was still badass. I would like to see that on HBO Go. So if anybody 
that knows somebody at HBO, do me a favor. Tell them to put Dream On on HBO Go. I could watch the entire six seasons of that without even blinking. So do us a favor. Help us out. Put Dream On on HBO Go. In some other news, Gearbox has announced that Borderlands 2 is official. Of course, there have been a couple of reports that leaked out saying that Borderlands 2 was coming out, but it is now 100% official, and you'll be able to read a 12-page spread in Game Informer. The game's going to feature all new characters, skills, environments, enemies, weapons, and equipment. You'll also be able to explore new areas of Pandora. They're probably going to reveal more information at Gamescom, and I know that there's a presentation scheduled for PAX Prime, which is going to be August 26th through 28th. But you'll be able to pick that game up next year, between April 1st, 2012. Well, it's allegedly supposed to come out during the next fiscal year, which for them is between April 1st, 2012 and March 31st, 2013. So somewhere between that big-ass window, you can expect to get your hands on some Borderlands 2. For my buddies that are still playing Call of Duty Black Ops, including Andrew, my nephew, Juan Villanova, a couple of other guys that are still playing Black Ops, you'll be able to get a new bit of DLC, that being a brand new map pack about zombies called Resurrection. It'll be available August 23rd on the 360, and it'll feature four remastered levels of the zombie lore. Um, You're going to have the zombie factory and three other levels, which are, I believe, pronounced in German. And as such, I'm not going to sit here and try and read them. But, yeah, you get four maps, and they're going to be included with – they were originally included with Harden and Prestige games, but now there will also be a moon level and an enhanced zombie soundtrack and enhanced zombies moon theme. So if you already have the remastered maps, the content will be free. If you don't, it's going to run you 1,200 points or $15. So, hooray, more zombies. Now, earlier as we spoke about the 3DS, I mentioned the PSP and the Vita. Now it seems that the Vita will not be releasing this year, but will be releasing in the U.S. and Europe in early 2012, according to Kaz Harai. Harai said that the price will continue to remain at 249 for the Wi-Fi version, and $299 for the 3G, even though Nintendo just cut the 3DS price. He stated the following statement. We packed so much into the device and made it very affordable. There's no need to lower the price just because somebody else that happens to be in the video game business decided they were going to lower their price. All right, Kaz Hirai, that's great. But guess what? If you put out a $250 and a $300 system and you don't have any fucking games for it, expect it to collect dust, just like the 3DS is, and you too will be forced to drop the price. So cut the bullshit. All right, that wraps up the video game segment. We got some movies, and boy, is there a lot to talk about, so let me not drag this shit out and get right into it. guys like i said before we get right into the movies i wanted to bring up the opening monologue which obviously is not an opening monologue anymore and i want to just discuss the brand new ultimate spider-man now here's the funny thing with that the brand new ultimate spider-man 
I have a couple of gripes with it and a couple of, but the gripes I have aren't so much from the announcement of a brand new ultimate Spider-Man, but just more so about what people decided to say about it, which was just so rude and so fucked up. And that is the fact that ultimate Spider-Man obviously dies. Peter Parker as ultimate Spider-Man dies at the end of, I believe it was 163, if I'm correct. But Marvel decided that they were going to bring Spider-Man back under a new, with a new hero, well, with a new alter ego taking on the mantle of Spider-Man, that being Miles Morales. According to USA Today, Miles Morales is half African-American, half Hispanic, and he will be assuming the mantle of Spider-Man. A little bit of a new costume, and of course, it obviously ties together in some shape or way or form, which is fine, whatever. The Ultimate Universe is exactly that, a separate universe than mainstream Marvel. Now, the funny thing is, Bronx, one of our writers, shared his opinion on it, and I really, I'm not going to go into it, but if you want to check it out, look up his blog, Incoherent Cohesion, uh, Brian Bronx's Crazy Talk. Look it up on Google, you'll find it. But I just want to go into a statement that he put here at the end. Uh, the post was actually written by Bronx's friend Ish, who I know, and also by Bronx at the end. And he said, um, and I really want to quote this for this reason, the only issue I have with a Spigger Spidey is that it seems purposely done to just generate headlines and or controversy. I mean, look at his mix, look at his name. You take a common yet somewhat sophisticated black name and a common Hispanic last name, and bam, obligatory ethnic mashup. I'm surprised they didn't even get more PC and put him in a wheelchair, or make him gay, or have him shoot rays of sunshine from his eyes that brought our soldiers home. He closed it out by saying, whatever, I'm just a very hardcore Spidey fan. Forgive my skepticism, forgive my rant, proceed, and he goes, proceed. Keep my whites white and my coloreds colored. Now, obviously, for most of you that read it or are listening to that, you're like, wow, this guy's out of his fucking mind. But Bronx brings up a very valid point. Spider-Man is always going to be Spider-Man, and there will be a level of complaint about it. But what bothered me wasn't so much the fact that they changed who Spider-Man was. What, it, what, what bothered me is the blatant DL racism that came out from the internet communities and from other comic book readers with the, with the notion about Spider-Man's new ethnicity. Now, here, here's what I got to say. We're all racist. Anybody who sits here and says they're not is full of shit. We all have preconceived notions about race, whether it's, you know, about our own race, uh, fellow minorities, white people. We are all subtly racial in some shape, way, or form, period. What Bronx said is, is correct, you know, in, in response to, you know, it's a change, but that Marvel did it to generate a reaction, to drum up interest. Anybody that sits here and really takes to the Internet, I saw guys that really dropped an M-bomb. Oh, an N-bomb, not an M-bomb, sorry. An N-bomb, like, oh, Spider-Man's a fucking yeah. I was like, wow, just, just put your racism out there. Uh, it, it, it's like, oh, wow, 
Spider-Man's a spick now. I can say that because I'm Hispanic. If you're offended, shut the shit off. But seriously, these are the types of views I saw. I'm like, number one, it's a fucking comic book. Number two, it, it, it doesn't matter. When they discussed the character of Batman in a couple of different books, and even in the movie, they said Batman is a symbol. That's what it is. Spider-Man, regardless of who's under the mask, we don't give a shit about what Peter Parker had for breakfast or whether him and Mary Jane had sex three times this week. We give a fuck about Venom trying to rip him in half. Green Goblin fucking up his life. We care about Spider-Man. The alter ego is just secondary to round things off. The same thing I have to say with this character, because by portraying him as a minority, you open up a new wealth of stories. Not only stories that relate to Spider-Man, but stories about being a minority. And, and, you know, there's some social messages in there that you can probably do. I'm not saying that it should be done, but it opens up a new realm of storytelling. So before you go and use your stupid racist fucking rants on the Internet hiding behind a keyboard, think about that. It, it's like people just jump right in. Oh, you know, Spider-Man's a fucking gun. That's not how you do it. You have to be respectful of the fact that it's not like they disappeared, Peter. You know, they, they made Peter Parker vanish. If you read regular Spider-Man, he's still white guy Peter Parker. In the Ultimate Universe, he's not. What do you have to do? Not read the Ultimate Comics. That's how easy it is. But to take to the Internet and really put out some, some crazy racial venom, I was dumbfounded dumbfounded at the at the amount of uh, of keyboard racists that if i saw them in the real world they'd probably cross the street they'd probably empty their wallet because they think i was going to rob them seriously it, it's absurd it's absurd that you and like i said i don't care that he's brown that he's black that he's green that he's purple i wouldn't have cared if he was gay not gay like bronx said in a fucking wheelchair it wouldn't have mattered. What matters to me is the, is the way that quote-unquote fans take to voicing their displeasure. It's very easy to, 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 to sling you know, racial, racial language at anything when there's nobody to really kick you right in the nuts. It's easy as that. And I, I, I got to give Bronx credit for that because he acknowledged it and Ish acknowledged it in a funny and amusing way but yet relevant. Which brings me to the, to the other thing. Glenn Beck. Let me tell you something about Glenn Beck. When Glenn Beck isn't running around trying to steal Pee Wee Herman's bike in Pee Wee's Big Adventure as Francis, he is on the radio promoting just, just bullshit. And I'm not even saying it from a political standpoint because my political beliefs and those of others differ like anyone else. But I have no problem with him talking about Obama and, you know, if he sits there and says that Obama's a coon, because that's the kind of shit he does, and that's the kind of racial shit he'll throw out there. This is a guy that talked about the shootings in Norway and, and you know, it, it equated it to Hitler Youth and all this shit. This is the type of guy that is the smartest dumb person I know. He decides to share his commentary by, by attributing this new minority Spider-Man to Michelle Obama. Let me read you an excerpt that this tubby piece of shit decided to share with all of us. The new Spider-Man is really quite great. 
He looks just like President Obama. This one is half Hispanic and half black. Do I care? Half Hispanic, all Hispanic, half black. I don't really care. Half gay, all gay. I don't really care. I don't care. It's a stupid comic book. However, what I do care about is the fact that I think that a lot of this stuff is being done intentionally. This is what he's saying now. It's being done intentionally, according to him. What was it Mrs. Obama said before the campaign? Because it's strange how so much of this seems to all be happening, where she pointed out that we need to change. Of course, he went on to play a clip of what she said. I know this is just one stupid example of it, but really, we now have a half Hispanic, half black, half gay Spider-Man, according to him. According to him, Spider-Man is half gay. So, Francis, as I will call Glenn Beck from now on, took to the airwaves spewing this shit, this bullshit, because that's what it is. Spreading bullshit. What a, what a motherfucker. That's what he is. That's what he fucking is. He's a motherfucker. I'm not even saying that he's racist. I'm not even saying that he's a, that he's a hillbilly fuck. Because I don't know the dude, but every time he, he, he puts out some statements and he puts out some stuff, it's always some real racially charged bullshit that middle America swallows, swallows. Just swallow that, that politically charged racial load, you stupid fucks. That's what he does. He really just force, he face fucks middle America with his bullshit, and they take it like champions. Wake up. So what if he's black? So what if he's brown? So what if he's half gay? Who gives a shit? It's fucking Spider-Man. It's a comic book. You don't want to read it? Tear it up. Throw it out. Don't even pick it up. Don't go to a comic store. Don't give Marvel your money. But seriously, you're going to go into the complete diatribe where Spider-Man looks like Barack Obama? Are you fucking serious, dude? You meatball-headed motherfucker. He looks like Obama. Who did you want him to look at? Did you want him to look like Cheech from Cheech and Chong? I got a better idea. Why don't you just make Spider-Man look like Speedy Gonzalez? How about that? Did you want Spider-Man to look like Reggie Bush? Did you want him to look like Spike Lee? Maybe, maybe you wanted Spider-Man to look like Ving Rhames. Is that black enough for you? Or maybe if you want to go on the half Hispanic route, why don't you make him light-skinned like Mark Anthony? That way he can just blend in. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. And as such, I know that our switchboard has a couple of callers, and I'm going to start with Dark Helmet first, and I know Slick has his piece as well. Let me bring Dark Helmet on. DH, my friend, share your wisdom Hello? with us. Hello? What do you got? I'm Yeah, yeah. I have to agree have with, to you. with you. So what if, so what okay, if I'm Marvel, Marvel, is it totally you're fading in and out. Stop calling me from the Al Qaeda bunker. Use a real phone. What is he doing? Calling me from from fucking Ground Zero? Come on, dude. Is this better? Is this better? Now I hear no, you. Go ahead. No. Dude. Damn. Damn. Basically, Basically, I agree. I that, that who cares? Who cares? Who cares? It's own thing. thing. So if so you have a new guy new picking guy up the Spider-Man, Spider-Man, so what? So what? It's easy as that, man. But the fact that you equate Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, half ha- half Hispanic, half black, half gay, all under one message, because you have nothing else better to do. 
I don't know, the debt ceiling, the FAA being fucked up, unemployment, uh, medical issues, no money in our government. I don't know. There's a ton of real important shit going on that kind of takes precedence over fucking Spider-Man being half a spick and, 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 half, and half black. I don't care. Yeah, this is Glenn Beck you're talking about. But still, Glenn Beck Glenn Beck. Sense. Dude, whether it's Glenn Beck, the Pope, John Gotti, Jimmy Hoffa, I don't give a shit. That is the most trivial fucking thing to talk about. Our country is a, in a state of shit, complete shit. Factories in the fucking shitter, people killing each other, minorities with no money, senior citizens with no money, pensions Detroit, in the toilet. Detroit town, town. Detroit's a ghost town. Come the fuck on. Is that really where your priorities are? That you give a shit about what color Spider-Man is? And not even the real Spider-Man, but an offshoot, yeah, yeah, infinite one. Well, that's Glenn Beck for you. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Who cares? Who cares? Change, like you said, change a character. Change a character. Okay, whatever. Okay. You still have Peter Parker. Peter Parker. He's real. He's, He's real. a different version. But hey, Glenn Beck wanted well, hey, an opportunity to get Obama. So why not? Why not? Well, you know what? You live you live down there in Florida, and you know Florida is a hotbed of racial activity down there. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. do you feel do you feel quite? Let's 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 do a, a, a just a, a different situation. Let's take away just regular Peter Parker and say, all right, Peter Parker died in a horrific accident. Venom finally ate him, and this guy took up the mantle of Spider Man. Do you give a shit about the alter ego, or do you honestly just care about Spider Man as the character? The character. The character. Right? That's he, what you give he, a he just, wear, he just wear he the mask, wear the mask and, and no one would know. No one would know. There you go. That, that's, all, that's all I wanted to hear, dude. Anything else you want to add, DH? The echo is the echo, but that's, that's it. it. That's it. All right, brother. Thanks for calling. All right. All right. Dude. Dude. All right. I know Slick is going to impart his wisdom on us. Slick. What's up, man? What's up, man? What do you got, brother? Because you know, you know this is bullshit. Well, first of all, all, I'm like, why are they making such a big deal over the whole thing? Because, all right, he's black. So what? So what? It's not the first Latino Spider-Man. Nope. Spider-Man 2099. That's right. That's right. And um, And, uh, like you said earlier... Making them a, a different a, race, whether it's black, or what, black, you know, red, or red yellow, whatever, yellow, whatever, that makes for that makes different stories. And the story. fact that it's not uh, Peter Parker, in the ultimate universe, is a good thing. Because, like, 99% of his enemies know that he's Peter Parker. There you go. So, so it's good that he's somebody else in that, in that, that book, anyway. But here's, here's, the, here's the crazy part. It's not even mainstream Spider-Man. It's Ultimate Spider-Man, which the Ultimate Universe is for a new generation. Maybe they want, you know, minorities to connect more with that particular hero. Maybe they felt that they could just attract a new demographic. What Brock said does apply. Marvel is doing a cash grab. But you know what? Even if it's doing a cash grab, they're doing something different. You're not killing off your entire universe like DC, rebuilding it, and expecting everybody to hop on board. You're taking an alternate universe, which you've already established as being completely different, and trying something new. They can always kill off the black guy, Peter Parker faked his death, and that was it. Experiment done. Which they'll probably do anyway. Anyway. 
it, it's crazy. It's crazy that, but like I said, what, what disturbed me was the level of, of, of racist comments that were being hurled on Twitter, on message boards, about the fact that he's half Hispanic and half black. Who cares? And he's not even the most brown Spider-Man. go. I gotta toss it back to Bronx in the chat. I know he, he he couldn't call in, but his his best his best line of the evening is I connect with heroes by personality, fuck their race. And you know what? That's how it is. You respect you relate to them by personality. If Spider Man's brown and he's oppressed and he's going through shit, fuck, I'll relate to him either way. I don't give a shit. That's like being a big deal out of nothing. And all it's really gonna do is really just generating more popularity for characters. Yep, because people are gonna buy it because they're gonna they're interested in seeing how he's written and how it's done. It's embarrassing, dude. It's embarrassing that this is what it's come down to. That our country's in complete fucking crisis. We got two wars, terrorists coming over. And 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 re- ready and willing to fuck us up, but we care about what color Spider-Man is. It's like I said a couple of months back in an episode. Terrorists aren't gonna blow us up. They're just gonna come over and offend us to death. That's all they're gonna do. They're gonna come over and offend us to death because we've become a country of pussies and softies. Everything offends us. Your kid can't play in the dirt because he'll get sick. My son is allergic to oxygen. Put him in a bubble. Give me a break. I don't even know what to say. Pass that. Pass that. Yeah, man. It is what it is, dude. Anything else you want to add, homie? No, I'll probably call back later. All right, brother. Thanks for the call. All right, peace. All right. Peace. Anyway, I'm kind of glad that I used that as the monologue in the middle of the show because I'm I'm pumped right now to bang out this movie segment because there's a lot of crazy shit in there. Uh, First off, I want to talk about Scarface. And before everybody gets crazy, Scarface is not getting remade, sequeled, nothing. What they're actually going to do is that Scarface is going to be coming out on Blu-ray on August 31st. Actually, yeah, it is August 31st. But what they're actually going to be doing is they're going to be releasing Scarface in limited release in theaters using the newly restored high-definition picture and enhanced audio, and you're also going to get a 20-minute feature, but they're going to be showing it in theaters just one day at four, I don't, at 475 theaters, and that's it. So to celebrate its release, you'll be able to check it out in theaters in the high-definition picture um, August 31st. So if you give a shit about Scarface, I mean, I'm a huge Scarface fan. I'm actually curious about checking it out on the big screen just to see if the experience would be different. But um, check it out, Scarface. August 31st, 475 theaters. Once I get some theater listings, maybe I'll post it on the site or maybe I'll post it in the forum for you guys if you guys want to go and check out Scarface that way. With box office totals this weekend, something very strange happened. We actually had a tie for number one at the box office. Cowboys and Aliens pulled in $36.2 million, but so did the Smurfs. Captain America First Avenger would, I guess, fall into the number three slot. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows was four. Crazy Stupid Love was five. Friends with Benefits was six. Horrible Bosses was seven. Transformers was eight. Zookeeper was nine. And Cars 2 was ten. Um, 
I've been hearing mixed reviews about Cowboys and Aliens. Some people are saying that the Smurfs is an outright abomination, uh, panned across the board by, by reviewers. Haven't seen it yet. I, I'm curious to see Cowboys and Aliens, but not curious enough to drop money on it. But I do want to see it. So at some point, either Slick or myself will review it. Slick may see it, and he'll review it, or I'll review it, or we'll both review it. But you'll get a review. That's all I got to say. But that's pretty crazy that both of them brought in the same amount of money. Moving on to some other movie news, The Expendables 2. You knew there had to be a second one. I've said it before. Jason Statham, Stallone, Bruce Willis, Schwarzenegger, Mickey Rourke, and Dolph Lundgren are all returning. But we got some rumored casting, some rumi, some rumored casting right now. Chuck Norris, John Travolta, and Van Damme are all rumored to be in Expendables 2. Chuck Norris in the Expendables would be badass. Why? Just because it's, it's fucking Chuck Norris. John Travolta, eh, Van Damme has to be in it. He has to. Seriously, because it's fucking Van Damme. It wouldn't be a, an action film without him in it. Be on the lookout for more casting news regarding the Expendables in coming weeks. In some Marvel movie news, Marvel is proceeding to work on the live-action Doctor Strange film. It's being written by Thomas Dean Donnelly and Joshua Oppenheimer, who did Conan the Barbarian, and they may be working on some rewrites. So be on the lookout for a live-action, big-screen adaptation of Doctor Strange. In some TV news, which kind of fall into movie news a little bit, TVLine.com is reporting that Peter Berg is planning on bringing Friday Night Lights back to the big screen. So get this. Movie that becomes a TV show, that becomes a movie again. The film would bring back Kyle Chandler and Connie Britton, who would reprise their roles as Coach and Tammy Taylor from the television show. Berg went on to say that the film would focus on Kyle and Connie bringing in some new characters and to work with the familiar faces from the show. We have, I think, a really fresh, very original take on it. We're very serious about wanting to do it if it all goes well. So we can probably begin, to be shoot we can probably begin shooting it next year. So, I don't, the logic in that escapes me. Movie, book, to movie, to TV show, back to movie. Why? I don't know. Do people love Friday Night Lights that much? Are you guys in the chat room huge watchers of that show? Because I'm curious to find out what is the big deal. I've seen a couple of episodes. I saw the movie. Is, is it that awesome that you need all this shit and all this fanfare? Somebody fill me in, man, because I'm just curious as to why that's the big to-do. Clash of the Titans 2. Obviously, we knew that was coming as well, but it's not going to be called Clash of the Titans 2. It now has officially been titled Wrath of the Titans, and it will be released March 30th, 2012. Sam Worthington will return along with Ray Fiennes, Liam Neeson, and Danny Houston are all returning to the franchise. So be on the lookout for that March 30th. 2012. Step Up 4. You heard that correct. Step Up 4 will be the next installment with uh, Ryan Guzman and Catherine McCormick as your leads. Guzman is a professional model that will be making his acting debut. The sequel will be set in Miami and McCormick will be the lead and you've probably seen McCormick in So You Think You Can Dance. Here's the funny thing about the Step Up movies. They are they are what they are. They're popcorn films that really are bullshit. 
but you always end up watching them because the dancing is so crazy. I think I've seen Step Up 1 and I think Step Up 3 because I think they were playing it in the Sony store. But the plots are complete garbage. But the dancing is 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 that's about it. That's all you give a shit about. The the plots completely cookie cutter and formulaic. Now you got a guy who's a professional model making his acting debut. I'm sure it'll be totally totally epic. <laughs> Here's the first bit of what the fuck movie news for you guys. We already know that we got Smurfs, we got Yogi Bear, we got all these movies that are based on old cartoons and. Weird IPs getting films, including Stretch Armstrong. Here's a new one for you. Emily the Strange. You know, the emo girl that you see in Hot Topic? Yes, she is getting her own film. Melissa Wallach is penning a script for Emily the Strange, which has been in development for the last three years. They're going to be bringing it to the silver screen based on the series of books which was available in 2001. As of right now, Chloe, Mor- Chloe Moretz from Kick-Ass is rumored to be playing the role of Emily, of Emily Strange, so be on the lookout for that. I'm sure tons of you are chomping at the bit for an Emily the Strange film, because I sure as fuck ain't. Lawrence Fishburne will be playing Perry White in Zack Snyder's Man of Steel. Of course, once again, a lot of racial shit came out that I read on a couple of message boards. Oh, Perry White is a white guy. Why is Lawrence Fishburne playing him? Who gives a shit? Perry White is about as essential as a third nipple. Nobody gives a shit about Perry White. He's just there to yell at Clark and yell at Lois, and that's it. Honestly, I would have liked to have seen Lawrence Fishburne play Lex Luthor. Now, you're probably going to say, but Lex Luthor is not black. That is correct. He is not. But if you watch Superman the Animated Series, you'll see that Lex Luthor was a little dark. And And if we're going by that, Lawrence Fishburne would be great for that. Easy, easy as that. For a role like Perry White, and they want to throw such a such a name actor in there, who knows? Maybe he'll he'll be a more essential character than we're allowed to believe. But honestly, I could give a fuck about Perry White. He don't do shit. He's just there, like I said, to yell at Clark and yell at Lois. It's not that serious. Superman drops June fourteenth, twenty thirteen. They dropped a photo of Henry Cavill as Superman. You can check it out on our Facebook fan page. And feel free to share your thoughts there as well. Let's put another Transformers film in the record books. Paramount Pictures announced today that Transformers Dark of the Moon has officially passed the $1 billion mark worldwide. Other films joining it were Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 and Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. Now, sure, we're not going to make a sequel to Transformers. Bullshit, you're not. With a billion dollars? Worldwide, definitely going to see another Transformers. Anybody that would think otherwise is stupid. In some other remake news, Pet Cemetery is getting the remake treatment. Paramount Pictures is in talks to revive the franchise, and Alexandra, I guess Alexandre Aja, who did uh, The Hills Have Eyes and Piranha, will likely direct. Matt Greenberg, who w- did 1408, is working on the script. So Pet Cemetery is getting a remake. Look, unless Fred Gwine is dug back up and put in that movie, it is going to suck. Because Pet Cemetery was completely fucked up the first one. Nothing like Fred Gwine, a.k.a. Herman Munster, sitting there yelling, Gage, Gage, and a little toddler with a scalpel just stabbing him in the leg. It was so creepy and so fucked up. 
I don't I I don't think that a remake is going to capture that level of freakiness. I just I don't think so, man. I don't think so. Now, I want you guys to once again breathe deep for this next bit of what the fuck movie news. Because you guys are going to be treated to a live action Barbie movie. That's correct. Eonline reports that 90210 actor Trevor Donovan has met with producers about the possibility of playing Ken in the movie. There is no plot yet, nor a director, but Lawrence Mark from Dreamgirls is producing. <clears throat> so get it, get it through your heads, guys. Live action Barbie movie. Live action. Wasn't the live action Barbie movie called Legally Blonde? Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that wasn't that Barbie legally blonde? Wasn't Elle Woods pretty much Barbie with her little pink bag and her little pink car and her little pink chihuahua and pink, 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 pink? Wasn't that fucking Barbie? No, it wasn't. Live action Barbie movie. Yes. Super pumped for that. Super pumped. Ready to do my review. Slick is probably going to review it. Oh, we're all going to review it. Fuck, we're going to go all see it together. We're going to drive to Bronx's house, pick him up. We're going to buy Subway sandwiches to unwrap in the movie theater. Oh, it's going to be epic. Get the fuck out of here, man. Really, a Barbie live action movie? Ugh. Stop yourselves. Stop it. But it gets better. Here's your other bit of what the fuck movie news. Deadline is reporting that Tim Hill, who did Alvin and the Chipmunks, has signed on to direct the remake of Short Circuit. Johnny Five still alive. Yes. The project was first announced two years ago and is being helmed. It was going to be originally directed by the guy who did Paul Blart, Mall Cop. But instead, it's going to be done by Tim Hill instead. So there you go. Tim Hill, Alvin and the Chipmunks, remaking Short Circuit. So there you go. Johnny Five, Short Circuit, remake by the guy that did Alvin and the Chipmunks. That's all I got to say. Lastly, to close out the movie news for this week, two comic books are, being, are receiving uh, movie adaptations, the first being Non-Player, which is based on an image comic book by Nate Simpson. In addition to that, The Hollywood Reporter announced that Image Comics' three-issue miniseries The Vault is also going to get the feature film adaptation. And lastly, Twitch Film is reporting that Marvel is working on developing a Guardians of the Galaxy feature film. Created in 1969 and resurrected in 2008, the comic is about a group of aliens who join together to go back in time to protect Earth from an alien invasion. As of right now, they say that this project is an active development. So Guardians of the Galaxy will be getting the big screen treatment. Do any of my comic fans give a shit about it? Probably not. But Guardians of the Galaxy is going to get the big screen treatment joining Doctor Strange. And last but not least, Variety is reporting that Brian Kirk, director of Game of Thrones, is in talks with Walt Disney Studios and Marvel Studios to direct Thor 2. With a release date slated as July 26, 2013, Thor 2 will likely move into production very shortly and will feature a script by Don Payne. It will follow Iron Man 3, which will be released May 3rd of the same year. So Brian Kirk from Game of Thrones is your new director for Thor. 
So that's going to wrap it up, folks. Wrapped up the movie news. Wrapped up the monologue. We are all good. Before I close things out, I just want to let you guys know, once again, we are looking for writers. If you're interested, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you'd like to be a guest or have questions or concerns, you can also email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Social networking sites where you can find us, Twitter. You can find us on Twitter by looking up My Take Radio. You can also find us on MySpace. I don't know how long that's going to last, but you can find us there, myspace.com slash mytakeradio. On Facebook, if you haven't become a fan yet, what are you waiting for? Facebook.com slash mytakeradio. Help us hit that 1,300 fan mark. Always nice to do. Show your support. Click that like button. Last but not least, we have apps on Android and iOS. You can find us in the Android market. You can find us on AppBrain. You can find us on Amazon.com. Just punch in My Take Radio app, and you'll be able to pick it up there for $1.99. In iTunes, just head over to the iTunes store, punch in My Take Radio, same price, $1.99. You'll get instant access to all of our exclusive content, including the Minority Film Report, My Take Radio Behind the Mic, and My Take Radio Beyond the Mic. In addition to that, you'll get full stereo sound for the episodes that will be edited and uploaded. In addition to that, you'll get a couple of other exclusives in the coming weeks as well. Currently, we are having issues with Libsyn uploading new episodes for some reason, so I'm hoping to have episodes 102 and 101 uploaded hopefully this weekend. I know that they were working on having our issues resolved. It was something with storage, some crap, but hopefully it'll be resolved. And those of you that have the apps will have access to that this weekend. I'll also be uploading the MTR Beyond the Mic with Andrew Kippen from Boxy. We'll be talking about the Boxy Box and the Boxy program as well and media streaming. And we're also going to be looking into having My Take Radio on Boxy as well. So that's going to wrap things up, folks. The MTR shop will go live in a few weeks. MTR 4.0 is being worked on. Congrats to Noel Brown again for placing so well in the EVO tournament and representing My Take Radio, our partners at Unveil, Kona's Corner, and SFX360. Also got to throw a shout-out to our content partner, MMA Valor, who's been doing a great job over there. If you want some really honest and really great MMA content, hit up MMA Valor as well. That's it, folks. My Take Radio episode 102 for Thursday, August 4th, 2011 is in the can. That's going to wrap it up. Let's just hit it with some outro music. Taking us out this week. Gee, who do we got? I think we're going to be taken out by Bare Knuckle Blitz by Will Rock from OC Remix's Heroes and Villains soundtrack. You can get that at ocremix.org.